Coming up on episode 294 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Toyota Sienna, the Subaru Impreza, the Nissan Aria, Blue Cruise Subscriptions, the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus, the Polestar 4, the Buick Invista, the Mercedes Maybach EQS SUV, a GM tow dolly patent, and a conversation with Stellantis Chief Design Officer Ralph Gilles. This is episode 294 of Wheel Bearings, and I am Sam Abul Samad with Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin. Let's go with True Car this week, is where I'm from. And I am Roberto Baldwin with, oh, Motor One. Let's say Motor One. I got a thing I got to write for them. All right. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Because I'm ready. Whoa. I'm ready. Yeah. You can't go Little first, down. Robbie. It's me. Okay. And I haven't even had coffee because I broke my coffee maker this morning. We've had, we've had all kinds of tech issues this morning. We've had so many issues. We're starting like a half hour late. We've had so I many issues. I don't even know how technology works anymore. I know. Technology <laughs> is scary fancy. Okay. So this week I am living the minivan life. I have a 2023 Toyota Sienna Platinum all-wheel drive. With the whole title. It's not that bad. Um, some of them are long. This one makes sense. So it's a minivan. So it is the family hauler. Um, it is not an inexpensive vehicle. Now, the Platinum is the, the fanciest term that you can get. And I've got some extra stuff on here. There's a rear seat infotainment system. Um, it has that like digital review mirror. It has carpeted floor mats. Um, so it's got some extra stuff on there. It is $53,990 as it sits in my driveway this very minute. Um, what do you think the destination is? Go, gentlemen, go. $995. Oh, uh, oh. $1. Um, Sam's going to win. It's 1335. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of a high win on this one. It's Go like, Sam. I'm not even Go trying Sam. anymore. It's like, I mean, <laughs> you just given up on life, Robbie. Is that what's happened? I had just a good run. It. I it's had a over. Run. So it's a hybrid. You can only get the Sienna as a hybrid. Now there is no non hybrid version of this. So it's hybrid or bust. Um, so it gets, Good fuel economy. I've been averaging about 37 miles to the gallon is what I think it was last time I looked. And that's driving around town back and forth to Boston once, twice, I think. So it's a combination of some good highway driving in there, but also some stop and go stuff around town uh, for a minute. I mean, it gets such good fuel economy. I drove it back and forth and it didn't look like the needle had moved at all on the gas tank, on the gas gauge. I'm like, is that broken? Like, it just didn't seem conceivable. I'm like, no, the number, the range, you know, the number of miles I got left is going down. It's just going down really, really slowly. So if you've got a lot, like, this is going to save you a small fortune in gas, especially where you, I just remember those days when my kids were little and it was pick one up at one school, pick the other up at one school, bring one to this practice, bring one to the other practice. Now this, you do a lot of random driving around short distances all over the darn place when you have kids. And this would have been fantastic. Um, although I've never had a minivan. I, I, I just never did the minivan thing. But uh, so great fuel economy. It's got a 2.5 liter four cylinder. It's 245 combined net horsepower. It's not the most aggressive car you're going to drive. It's a minivan people. It's a family car. Um, it It's fine. It does well. If you need to accelerate to get up to highway speed, it's got plenty of power to do that. Um, it handles okay. I'm not in general a fan of how minivans drive. It's not a Toyota Sienna thing. It's just something about the overall, I don't like the big bulbous one piece, no sense. Just, I just don't, I don't like how they feel. So me being critical of that is not the Sienna. It's just, I'm not a fan of driving minivans. 
Um, so I feel like it's sort of almost unfair. Like this is clearly not the segment <laughs> for me. So, but I think, I mean, in terms of being quiet and being smooth and having the power you want, and it's, you know, it's, it's going to do you well. Um, it also has very comfy front seats. Uh, so, you know, you can adjust them like 9,000 different ways, the strongest lumbar support ever. So the driver that left the car for me on Monday apparently has back issues because he always has a lumbar really, really stiff. I literally <laughs> got in the car and I'm like, Good Lord, where's that button? It's just like all the way out. It's all like the way. I'm like, I feel like I'm like standing at attention, sitting at attention. I'm like, what is happening? Where's the button? I gotta, I gotta ease that up a little bit. So if you want really strong lumber, the Sienna is gonna bring you that. Um, and it also has this one has captain's chairs. Not every configuration has captain chairs, so you can get it with seating for seven with the captain's chairs, or it's seating for eight if you go with that second row bench seat. The captain's chairs though are really cool, and I do like about this good features for having when you have kids. So the second row, they're on rails that you can slide them really, really far forward. If you were folding the third row and you wanted to, you know, do cargo and you want everything shoved forward, but you know, or if you want just enough room for people to sit there, but you got to put a lot of stuff in the back or you can slide it all the way back to the third row. So almost like you can almost make it so someone couldn't sit in the third row, which would give you this expansive amount of second row leg room, which is kind of neat if you have adults back there. Um, it also has this fancy pants uh, ottoman, you pull a little lever on the side of the second row seats and the ottoman goes boop for your feet. Although the thing about it is you're not supposed to use it when you're driving because safety first people like you're never, now you're not sitting in the right position for a crash. And if there's a crash, bad things happen to your legs. It's like having your feet on the dashboard, which every time I see someone do that, it makes me inwardly cringe because there's airbags up there, people. What do you think is yeah, going to happen to your feet if you don't get, aside that. from the crunching of cars, there's an airbag in there. But you're also noticing just the, the, the little footrest is supposed to be used while the vehicle is stationary. I don't know if everyone's doing that. Technically, you're supposed to be. Um, so I'm saying technically you're supposed to be, but it does have this nifty footrest. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, is how useful is that if you really follow the rules and you only use it? when you're stopped. And I thought, well, how often was I just sitting around waiting for my kids all the darn time? I could have sat back there through hours of horseback riding and dance <laughs> lessons and clarinet practice with a book and a coffee and been like, okay, I'm good. You guys I can't do your believe thing. you. I can't <laughs> believe you got dance lessons and clarinet lessons for a horse. That just, I, know. <laughs> I did. I did. That's a very uh, talented horse. It's a, it's yeah. a talented horse. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, I, so I like the Sienna. I think it's good. It has little um, rear seat entertainment system that has, but it only has a flip down screen in the middle. Like it's literally in the ceiling and you got to flip the screen down. It's a good size screen. I don't know if I have the size at hand. Like um, old timey oh, airplanes. Yes. 11.6 inch. So it's an 11.6 inch screen that flips down from the roof, um, which, uh, you know, it would be nice for the kids to each have their own on the back of the headrests. Um, and it also slightly blocks <clears throat> excuse me, slightly box, blocks your view. So if you're just looking straight back, you're now looking at the back of that screen. Um, and it also, this doesn't have the latest and greatest version of Toyota's um, Intune. Intune, the infotainment system. I don't, I don't think they, they actually call it Intune anymore. They don't call it Intune oh. anymore. Oh, I think I have Intune. <laughs> because everybody gets angry because it's like, boo. It's like, it's like when Comcast decided to be Xfinity. Yeah, So so it does not have that. And I'll tell you, like, 
man, the new one is much better. Like it, I didn't realize how not good the old one was until all the Toyotas and I've driven lately have had the newer system. And then I went back to this and I'm like, oh, good Lord. It's like the Wayback Machine and the Wayback Machine has brought me this horrible infotainment. It does what you need it to do, but it's just nowhere near as crisp, as clear, as intuitive, as well-designed. And it's just, it's just bad. It's not great. So that's the the biggest thorn in the side of the Toyota Sienna is that it does not yet have, and this is a 23, it does not yet have the newest version. I don't know what they call it now. Toyota's infotainment that they developed themselves that is really slick and works really well. This is not that. So you don't get that version um, in the Sienna if you get it right now. But otherwise, I like this car. I mean, if you're looking for a family vehicle, I think it's it's not a bad choice as minivans go. Now, you before we started recording, you mentioned something about DVDs and the rear seat yeah. inf- infotainment. Yes, it does. So strangely enough, and like I don't even have DVDs anymore. Do you guys have DVDs for for anything? I think yeah, there's a handful. Have- yeah, there's a handful of them sitting here on a bookcase across the basement from me. Okay, but you know we, we haven't have actually them. played them in probably a decade. Right. What about you, Robbie? Do you even have DVDs? Yeah, we have a lot of DVDs actually. Okay, so. One we're the, waiting for the end of society, for for the collapse of society. For so the end like, times? Well, yeah, we, we got an old PlayStation. We got some DVDs. We're good. We're fine. <laughs> well, apparently a vast number of parents have DVDs for their kids to watch movies. And one of the biggest comments I got when I shared this stuff, because I share a lot of stuff on TikTok and a lot of stuff on Instagram and all over the place. But the TikTok comments were, yeah, it's a deal breaker for me because there's no DVD player. And now, I'm like, sure enough, there's not. But can can you play videos off of a thumb drive, for example? I, oh, I don't know if you could play videos off of a thumb drive, but it does have. Um, let me try. I feel like you could. It has an HDMI input, so you could plug in. Can't you? That would let you. You could plug in an external you could DVD. Plug in player. an external. But you don't want to. You don't want to do that. Right, 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 right. But I mean, you but could. If, you could. But if, you could but if, but if you could play the videos school, like the infotainment and have yeah. a DVD player jacked in and sitting mm-hmm. on the center, like in between on the floor. <laughs> but but if you if you well, all, on the other hand, you know, you could take like your your PlayStation or your Xbox, put that in, plug yes. that in. You could yes. use that. They could use that to play games or exactly. play DVDs, play DVDs or Blu-rays but, or Blu-rays. So I feel like oh. that's the idea is you could use your game console to play, play the videos you want to play. I guess. And if you don't I mean, and if you don't want to take the console in the car, if you could play videos off of a thumb drive, then you know, you could just rip the videos on, you know, onto a thumb drive before you go. And that's that, you know, then you could have a bunch of videos, uh, a bunch of movies on there for the kids, you know, or, you know, yeah. they could just play Frozen over and over and over again over on and loop. Over and over but and then over you would and have over to have again. a com- you'd have to have a computer that has a DV- has a has a, you know, DVD. A DVD. No. Oh, that's true. Well, I mean, I have, I, <laughs> I, I do have an external, I do, I do still have an external DVD drive sitting here that every external. couple of years I pull it out. Something, I, something comes along. I, that think, I, have I don't, I don't have one. I think Russ might have one because we discussed once he keeps all the things, I'm sure he has a way to play DVDs. Yeah, He's got something he could take out, but I, is, no is there idea. any support for, for streaming? I like don't. over, over the cellular modem connection. So like, you know, is there a 4G or, well, not, not a 5G, looking, not, but looking, a 4G I'm that looking. you can stream from? I'm not even you know, seeing could you, 4G. Could you, play, you know, could you just play Netflix or uh, Amazon I mean, you, Prime you or something? You have a really nice speaker system. You have a US, USB media port. So maybe you could. Alexa, Sirius. I'll have to double check. I'm not seeing that it says even Wi-Fi. USB 
dashboards. It was because most newer vehicles. Well, that's that, that's that's. Oh wait, connected services, four G network. To, yeah, four G. Okay, because right. yeah, because mo most newer vehicles, yeah. you know, a lot I'm of like, newer vehicles have you know variety or you know um, Amazon Fire yes. TV built in or right, you know, so you can have all your streaming services logged in there and just let them watch it right. that way. But that's not what anybody wanted. Like literally, parents, there's no DVD player. They all want a DVD player. Wow. They all want a DVD player, and I'm thinking, I don't even have. I, I, I think somewhere in a box I have DVDs that again, like Robbie, waiting for the end times. But I don't even use. Yeah, they're DVDs. they're mostly for or or when the, the every once in a while, like you know. And it seems weird to me because I feel like people who have kids who are at the age where you want to show kids videos to keep them occupied on a trip are like. My kids are 20. That means these are people who are like 20 years younger than me and they're still all in with DVDs. I wouldn't think they would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you would think, you know, anybody with younger kids today, you know, they're they're going to have their Disney Plus subscription right. and their Netflix mm -hmm. and they're just going to watch stuff off of there or YouTube. I, that's what yeah. I thought. And but they were on TikTok. So yeah. it's not like I know. So all this is skewing young. I'm like, what is wrong with young people today? <laughs> Step up your game. Come on, kids. Get it together. <laughs> get it together, children. <laughs> when I was a kid. Or, you know, it, it could be. all of our DVDs. You know, no, no, knowing, yeah. You know, no, knowing knowing my kids, you know, they probably figure, you know, the end times are closer than you all think. You know, we we know the world is doomed. Okay. So, you know, we're just not even going to bother with this streaming nonsense. That I will accept as an, I'm as not an going answer. All right I will that accept that answer. That could be that could explain it all, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we've seen how things are working out. We, we know where it's going. We, we're not we, getting rid of these. We've TVs. seen what you guys, what you olds have done to the world. But you olds, we're, we're prepared for the end yeah. times. Uh. See, we're mocking them now. But but they're going to be waving those DVDs going, see, we told you, wheel bearings, we told you. Well, if they want to stop by my new seat, my new, uh, my new Blockbuster, I'd be bearing in a Blockbuster at the end of times, they can rent some of my They DVDs. can rent some of your DVDs. <laughs> Not in the Sienna, apparently. Is, is, your, is your ID Buzz going to have a CD, a DVD player in it? I don't think so. I doubt it. Uh, I don't have kids, though. I have dogs, and they don't care about television. <laughs> dogs who don't have dogs who do not care. All right. Anything else on the Sienna? No, that's it. I feel like I've pretty much talked it to death. That's it. I guess, I guess one, one I other got. question. No. Would you? Okay. <laughs> no more. <Go> ahead. <laughs> We're done. Would you, would you prefer it to be offered or, or would you like it to be offered with a plug-in hybrid option? Um, I like, yes. Oh, I mean, I feel like I mean, if it's hybrid or plug-in hybrid, I like the idea of plug-in hybrids because they give you that sort of all electric driving range, but they always add a lot of, they add a chunk of money to the cost mm -hmm. of your car. Right. And parent families generally on a budget. So I think that it might be a little bit cost prohibitive. Yeah. I don't know that it's not, and you get really great fuel economy with just a straight up hybrid. So that would be better, presumably with the plug-in it's not like you're suffering. It's not like right now all they have is a gas engine. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting you know I mean? 35, 37 miles per yeah, gallon with the, pretty, with the hybrid. Right. So I mean, how much, how much the cost benefit analysis might not work out in favor of the plug-in. I yeah. think the thing, the reason I'm a fan of plug-in hybrids is I think they give people, they ease people into the idea of EVs and they give you that little bit of electric driving range. But I think where they've got a straight up hybrid, just stick with that. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Roberto. Yeah. What, what have you been driving? I drove the uh, Subaru, the 2024 Subaru Impreza RS. No, you has, have to say it the way you wrote three, it. It has three DVD players. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's written, he wrote it in the show notes. It doesn't say anything that he just said. It says it has like 18 Zs. It's like Subaru Impreza. Impreza. 
Impreza. That's what he drove last week. <laughs> so yeah, I'm driving the Impreza RS. Much better. Um, it starts at $27,885. This is the sort of <clears throat> top of the line in uh, new Subaru. You can get the regular base one starts at $22,995. So $23,000. Um, but you're getting, you know, it's it's a Subaru outside of the BRZ. You know, it's all, you know, the other symmetrical all-wheel drive system, which uh, as someone who's owned a few Subarus, I can attest works really well in snow. It's probably why they do really well in Vermont. Um, I guess the East Coast, they're, they're silly with Subarus. Um, I, you know what, I, I, I drove one, an older version of the Impreza with the uh, CVT. And it broke my heart because I owned a WRX and a manual transmission, and it was outstanding. Uh, this one, you can't. There's no more manual transmissions on the Impreza, which is, you know, heartbreaking. It does have a CVT. It's not great. It's still a CVT, um, but it's much better than it used to be. So you got that going for you. So it's not. It's 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 not as bad. Um, it's still a CVT. CVTs are going to be CVTs. Um, I still have uh, that sort of memory of having. An Impreza that has a lot of power with a manual transmission. That said, I really like this car um, because it's just it, it's a it's a wagon. It's like everything. It's almost everything that you want. You know, the automotive journalist thing is like, oh, we all like wagons. We all want manual transmissions. We all want them to be brown, uh, <laughs> which is not a thing I realized when I became an automotive. Tra- uh, someone asked, "What kind of car? What's your favorite kind of car?" I'm like, "Oh, a wagon." Or like. Pfft. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? They're like, yeah, we all we all want wagons. Of course, like, huh? you said wagon. Yeah, duh. I'm like, I want a little quick little wagon. Uh, yeah, no, I I actually I really like this uh the the new Subaru, um you know for for well let's just say twenty eight thousand dollars you get an all wheel drive wagon that has an okay CVT, <laughs> but it has little paddle shifters so you can put it in manual and pretend like you're you know doing cool things. But yeah, I used it. I, I had a, a one of my bands had a show on Friday, and I just shoved a bunch of guitar junk in the back of it, and no big deal. And there's, you know, there's room for people in the back, and the seats are comfortable. And it's it, there's it's you know they're they're very utilitarian Subarus. Um, someone was give, was telling me like the new WRX is not pretty. I'm like, oh, it's never really been that pretty to be honest. <laughs> it's <laughs> a Subaru, after not all. Its thing. The yeah. Subaru, yeah, Subaru yeah. doesn't really make pretty cars um, with the exception of the svx yeah yeah the svx was amazing um okay. but yeah no they, they but they just do what you want them to do they are what they are and when you get it you're like oh yeah, yeah this is exactly what i wanted Does when i bought sing? a super yeah yeah you know the 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 um you know they have a big uh um uh, infotainment system now um and but the, but they still have like hard buttons for like volume knobs and power, you know heat up and down. There's just like two little arrows, little arrow, little red arrow up, little blue arrow down. They're like, oh, these are all the things. I just want to be able to like, <laughs> oh, it's too hot. Now it's too cold. Now it's too hot. Oh, I want to turn the music up and down. That's it. Those are like the three main buttons I want to use anyway. That's all you want. Those are the only I'm things constantly, you need. I'm constantly adjusting the temperature in the car and I'm constantly turning the uh, <laughs> the heat up and down. I don't, I don't know why. It's just a thing I do. And it's much nicer when you can do that without having to go into an infotainment system. And, and the heated seats, they're just like, <laughs> they're just little toggle switches in the center console. It's high, low. The end. That's it. <laughs> One for each seat. It's, 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 uh... Keep it simple. Keep you want your butt simple. warm or not? 
Exactly. You want your butt warm or you or you don't want your butt warm. That's it. It's it's everything that I really like. I, I like, you know, it's, it's funny because my whole thing is I'm the technology guy. I mean, I worked at a I was the senior technology editor for car and driver. And still I'm out there like, oh, I just want this button. It turns this on. <laughs> just want a button that works. <laughs> just want a button that works. Sometimes you don't need sophisticated technology. You no, just you, want, just, you just want stuff that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just want things that work. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that's the smartest thing. If you get, you know, what technology should be, like, make something work easiest for, like, the, the easiest way to make it work. And the easiest the way to make some of these work. Make it do yeah, it's, it's just, a, do. just a big old thing. Like, if it was just a big, like, like a big red button you smash with your hand, <laughs> he'd say, Blam. Blam. You know, a, a, a good way, a good way to explain the stuff is like science is about understanding how the world functions, what makes the world tick. Technology is about under, is, or engineering is about applying that knowledge to create technology that solves problems. Yeah. And if you're not actually solving a problem by going from a switch to something in a touchscreen, don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. it. Don't do it. So yeah, no, it's, I, 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 I appreciate, you know, my, I, I really like my BRZ. Um, it's fun to drive. But you know the infotainment system and the thing is is just kind of trash. But it's just like they have big knobs for like the, <laughs> like to adjust the heat, and there's just like there's just little but to to change the time. There's just two buttons. One says H and one says M next to the time. <laughs> <laughs> and every every six months, I hit the H button and it goes up, and then I just hit it a few more times until it gets the. the that's it. That's all I want. I, I don't need anything. That's special. all you need. Yeah. So the so yeah. So you know, as a as a sort of utilitarian vehicle, it's great. And they have little. You know, up on the the, the, the the rain gutters up top, they have little things you can pop up so you can put rails on top. So you can, you know, because you're going to put a bike or a snowboard or a kayak because it's a Subaru or something for your dog. Or a bike and a kayak. <laughs> or a bike and a kayak. It, it, it's very, they know exactly who their customers are. They're just like, We're just not, let's not get fancy. Let's not get crazy. These people just want to go ride their bikes and their, uh, and their kayak want. or yep. their kayak slash bike. And they want to fill the car with dogs. And that's it. They just want to go out and do things with their dogs. That's Subaru. That's it. And they know that. <laughs> They're like, here's the car. Go away. <laughs> um, let's see. I, uh, the RS I drove had a as the 2.5 liter boxer engine. Still doing that boxer engine where the you know the cylinders are horizontal. I love the visual that's coming <laughs> along with him I have trying to, to like, describe Whenever this. I say the boxer engine, actually, I can move my fist to, back and forth. You feel like you forth. have to move the. <laughs> Let me demonstrate uh, why they call it that. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is the larger this is the larger uh, the larger motor. It has 182 horsepower, 178 pound feet of torque. Not a lot. Totally fine. More than adequate for 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 people who are buying an Impreza. Or you can get the uh, the base and the sport trims, which has a two liter uh, four cylinder with uh, 152 horsepower, 145 pound feet of torque. Um, if you want something with more power, you you know you just jump up to the WRX. Problem is the WRX looks the way it does, and it's not a wagon. Just make the WRX look like the Impreza again and be done with it. Um, that's my that's my that's my soapbox right now for that. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the Sport and the RS, you you know you get you can have manual mode, and I'm doing that with air quotes because you're using um, the little paddle shifters on a CVT. So, mm-hmm. so you're so you're selecting between really... some pre-programmed ratios within the CVT. Yeah. Instead of instead of continuously varying, it goes to certain certain points along the ratio curve. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um. You know, I I I you know I like the 
and I feel like I'm a, I, I don't want to be I don't want to sound like a Subaru fanboy, but I do. I really like just sort of this utilitarian fun little. It's fun to drive like going around corners. You know, it's it's you know, it's it does really well around corners. It's it's just a nice utilitarian car. You get in there. There's some soft points or some hard points because, you, you know, it's still you know, it's still not an expensive car. They're not trying to impress you. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's the Impreza, they're not trying to impress anyone. If you're looking for like, oh, I want this car and I want it to be really nice, you know, I I want like Mazda or Hyundai quality. No, don't, 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 don't. The seats are really comfortable, and then everything else is just like, you know what? You're going to get this thing muddy and filthy. Your <laughs> dog's going to be crawling around in there. Your dog's yep. going to be crawling around in there. Um, I, I I I appreciate the Subaru understands exactly who they. <laughs> <laughs> who their customers are the the infotainment system is just like just looks like a giant uh portrait size ipad there is a little bit of latency to it uh you plug your phone in and you just don't even worry about it um it does have that the the portrait mode of like like car player android auto so that's always a little weird um especially when you're used to a uh, a landscape mode and 90 percent of other cars on the market um but yeah, it gets. Let me pull up the old fuel economy thing, Majiggy. Uh, 26 city, 33 highway, combined 29. I'm getting 28. Um, I wish it got a little bit better, but you know, what are you gonna do? Um, for it's 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 no it's no Sienna. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's no Sienna. <laughs> doesn't have a hybrid. Doesn't have a. Um, and then when when I'm driving, I'm like, man, this thing was an electric car. This was an EV. Just yeah. Yeah, I, 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 and again, the wagon thing. It's I'm, I'm a stupid idiot for wagons. That's that's what it comes down. To. <laughs> I like that. I am I'm too. a stupid I, idiot for wagons. I, I like, like I, wagons. I, yeah. My guitar amp is so heavy, and it's heavy in 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 direct uh, opposition to how good I play guitar. So <laughs> it's really heavy, and I'm really bad. And it's just like. Oh, you have to lift, and I've had to lift this thing into like SUVs, into Arcona, into like whatever you know. Some you know, you know, you have a a uh, a press car, and sometimes you have this like really tall whatever, like a Bronco, and I'm like, and but with the the wagon, I'm like, oh, what? Well, Once you know. again, the visuals. It's like he's hauling like, oh my god, and all the whole world. It's just a, it's not even that big. It's not a base amp. It's just so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I bought it in nineteen like nine. What, what year? I bought it in like nineteen ninety five from a guy on his way to jail with a bunch of quarters I had. <laughs> oh God, you did not, did you really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's really funny. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, no, yeah. He's, it's 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 uh, yeah. Fun stories with Robbie. Um, so yeah, no, it's a uh, you know you want a, a a relatively inexpensive all wheel drive vehicle. Um, you're not looking too much for performance, and you, uh, you're not super sad about it. Not uh, no longer having a manual. Then uh, yeah, the Impreza, especially if you're a fan of wagons and you have a dog. I haven't put the dogs in the car yet. Um, typically, the automakers tell you not to. They ask you, please don't put your dog in our right. car. It's a Subaru, so it's. I think it's required, isn't it? Isn't it like yeah. right at the top of the I long form? Like if you have a dog, yeah. you must put it in you the car. You are required to put it in the car for at least five minutes or something. I, yeah. I was. I had the, the uh, a few years ago when I was at Car and Driver. I was going on vacation, and uh, the the fleet guy was like, "Hey, what car do you want this week?" And I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm driving somewhere. I'm taking my dog, so you know, I don't." You know, I can't, I won't be here. So there's, and, and I can't put a dog in your car. You know, they all have like, please do not put your dog in our car. 
And like 30 minutes later, he got back to me. He's like, hey, Subaru wants you to take the cross track and put your dog in it. <laughs> <laughs> They've changed like, their mind. <laughs> no, no, no. They were they, like, that would, I hadn't asked for a Subaru. They didn't, you know, but he like, it, I told him like, oh yeah, I have a dog. So I don't, I can't have a press car this week because I'm driving somewhere really far away with a dog. And he immediately got back to me. He's like, nah, Subaru is cool with that. You want the cross track? <laughs> Do that. Do that. So I should look at my, I, you know what, I, I should get a I look feel like it would thing. be completely counterintuitive if Subaru actually get upset if you put your dog in the car. I mean, if you left it a hot mess. They're probably well, going to be. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the second line on the loan agreement is, you know, please put your dog in there. If you don't have a dog, please make the first stop you you do at your local animal shelter. To rescue a dog. Go, yeah. Please go get a dog. If you don't go have adopt a, dog, a dog, you're required to rescue one as I'm a gonna, part of your contract. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look at it. Oh, no, my email link has expired. I was going to look at it. <laughs> Oh, there it is. I'm gonna look at the loan agreement right now and see what you find. I wonder what it says about you. Have to, now you have to scan it as we're talking and see what it says okay, for let's... like what's the rule? What is the rule? I gotta know. <laughs> okay. Vehicle what? use. All right, you you go on next. We'll, we'll continue. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in this thing. Did Did we talk about pricing on this? Uh, yes, it's. Oh, I didn't tell you. I don't know what the. You know, I didn't have a Monroni. Let me. I got to do some math. Oh, math. Oh, math. Oh. Give me. All right, you the guys. Worstest. Give me a second. Don't don't say any numbers. Let me give me. <laughs> I'm gonna say a number anyway. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm going nine ninety five because that worked for Sam a minute ago. I'm gonna go with eleven ninety five. You know that means. Although if I was smart, I would go. With with the, like, I would go with nine ninety six. Yeah. Oh, yes, you would. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Two, oh, he, four, I can hear the clicking of the keyboard. Five, We've nine, put him on the spot. We've done too much. Nine, we broke five, Robbie. Uh, $1,090. <laughs> oh, so you got it, Nicole. I got Nicole it. Won. I went over. There you go. It's like a birthday present. Woohoo, yeah. I won. I got it. What, what's the uh, what's the MSRP? Uh, so the base model is 22995 That's with the smaller two-liter engine. Uh, the RS that I'm driving currently uh, twenty seven thousand eight hundred eighty five. So you're paying, you know, with with uh, destination for the base, you're paying twenty four thousand for the RS. You're paying twenty nine. Let's just say twenty nine thousand. Um, but you're getting, you know, all wheel drive, a car that'll last forever as long as you keep uh, checking the oil because you don't mm -hmm. want to blow the head because that's uh, a thing with boxer engines. Uh, but yeah, Subaru people love Subarus. That's the problem. It's not even a problem, really. I love I mean, my Subarus. If I was Subaru, I wouldn't consider that to be a yeah, problem. Yeah, no, that's not a problem at all, actually. I, <laughs> People I, I, love I our really, cars, darn it. <laughs> I really liked my Subaru. I like the two Subarus that, I, that I've had. Um, they're, two, they're two of my favorite vehicles ever. Um, and it's, it's I, you know, I, 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 you know I, I'm a big proponent of EVs, but at the same time, I love my BRZ. All right. All right. All right. You guys figure that you guys talk about something. I'll look up this, this dog thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheel bearings media, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way. Thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast, like no other head to patreon.com slash wheel bearings media. All right, we'll, well go to the next thing. Yeah, let, let, let's go to the next one. Uh, so let's go back to – oh, wait. It's me first. I forgot, forgot to talk it's about you. my car. <laughs> we are gonna, so off kilter today. All right. Um, I had the, uh, the the 2023 Nissan Aria E-Force with a 4. E-Force. It's plus. the E-4-Ors. Yeah. E the E-4-Ors. I, I love the car, but all really right. E-4-Ors? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Platinum Plus all-wheel drive. 
Um, and so, I mean, you know, we drove this just a few weeks ago in Sonoma and, uh, this time I got to drive it without rain, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, spend a little more time with it, you know, a little more varied conditions. Um, I still really like it overall, but I am more convinced than ever that Nissan made a huge mistake in replacing e-pedal with, um, what, what are they? I can't even remember what they call it now. The, um, e-step. Um, uh, so going from the one, gosh, the, just, getting, uh, getting rid of the, 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 the full one pedal mode that they have on the leaf and going with what they're calling E-step, uh, which is, you know, there's stronger regen mode, but it doesn't, it won't bring the car to a complete stop, which I find quite annoying. Um, and it, uh, it, it's kind of, it can be kind of inconsistent at times. You know, I would, you know, I would rather just, I would rather have the option. Yeah, I mean this is all mm. this is all done in software. So right. there's no there's no reason, there's no extra cost to them to give you the option. You know, you press the button once, you get E step, you press it a second time, you get E pedal. Just do it. it it's easy. Just, Come on, Nissan. You can do it. <laughs> Just do it. You popularize you can't popularize a, a feature and then be the automaker who's like, eh. <laughs> Well, I just, but you know, I, I feel like what it was just proven wrong by what Cham did the other week with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So, you know, <laughs> uh, like, hey, GM was like, hey, hold my beer when it when, yeah. when they found out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got you. <laughs> so, um, you know, driving around in this thing for a week, um, you know, it was quite, it's other, aside from the E step, E pedal thing, you know, it is quite pleasant to drive for the most part. A um, couple of things I did notice um, when I was trying it out with the the uh, the new charger that Autel sent me to test out. Um, one of the things I noticed about the charger, for one thing, is it's got some on the panel it, on the control panel. It's got a couple of icons that light up to tell you when it's when it's powered on, when it's connected, when it's charging. But there's no actual display on the panel, um, and so you have to use the app to figure out what's actually going on. And when I plugged it in, I had I had had set up with a schedule to charge at night, but I wanted I was doing it during the day and I wanted to try it out. And I noticed that it was only charging. It's a 9.6 kilowatt charger, but the car was only charging at 7.5 kilowatts, uh, which is a little lower than I expect in a brand new EV coming to market. You know, especially one that costs as much as this does. Um, you know, I mean, you can still you know it's seven and a half kilowatts. You can still charge it overnight. Um, you know, and do pretty much a full charge on it. But, you know, when, when you got a lot of cars out there now that are supporting, you know, nine and a half, 11, in some cases, 22 kilowatts uh, with AC charging, you know, at least, you know, at least give me the 9.6 and preferably 11 kilowatts um, for AC charging. So there's that um, again, fairly minor annoyance, uh, you know, cause in most cases, most people aren't going to be doing a full charge overnight anyway. Uh, but you know, for a vehicle that can cost over sixty thousand dollars, you know, it's it's something to think about for Nissan. Mm -hmm. um, driving it, um, you know, again, very smooth, very quiet, just as it was in California. Um, I did several trips uh, back and forth, you know, between my home in Ypsilanti and Dearborn and Detroit uh, during the week that I had it. Uh, for a conference I was speaking at and and for a couple of other events uh, in that area. Uh, and so I spent some time, some more time using uh, the ProPilot version two. Um, and so this is the, the hands-free version. Um, and, 
noticed a, a few more things that I hadn't noticed when we drove it in California. When we drove it in California, you know, it was uh, rainy out there. Yes. Um, no, no real sunshine to speak of uh, during that time. And during the, the couple of days that I drove it uh, towards Dearborn, driving east directly into the morning sun, um, mm-hmm. I noticed some issues with ProPilot. So with um, with Super Cruise and Blue Cruise, uh, for example, the way the camera setup is done on those, they have one forward-facing camera, and then a couple of cameras on the side under the mirrors that look down at the lane markings, you know, to see where you are, to see if you're centered in the lane, you know, to help mm-hmm. with that. Um, Nissan does not have the side cameras for, for that. They use a trifocal front camera system. So there's three cameras up front, an ultra wide, just kind of, kind of like your, your iPhone Pro, ultra wide, wide angle, and a long range camera. And they're all facing straight ahead and driving directly east at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, directly into the morning sun that, you know, was a little bit above the horizon at this point. Um, Several times on, on several occasions, I had a warning come up on the instrument cluster saying um, ProPilot disengaging um, low camera visibility. Hmm. You know, the sun was shining, sky was blue, not a cloud in the sky. The only reason there was low cloud, low camera visibility was because the sun was shining directly into the camera. It was, it was, it was just like bright. if you look with your eyes directly into the sun, you're not going to be able to see very well. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. And the, and the same is true for for cameras. Um, so this is one of the real limitations of cameras. Um, and so there were several sections along the road where the system, even though it should have been able to work, just couldn't because the cameras couldn't see. Um, and then that was exacerbated by the fact that this is, this stretch of I-94 is paved with concrete. So it's a fairly light gray and you got white lane markings. Um, and again, with the sun at the angle, it was, you know, you had a lot, some reflection off of that concrete. And the, so the contrast between the pavement and the lane markings was even worse. So even when the cameras could see, they couldn't really see the lane markings. So it was reverting back to, uh, you know, back to the base adaptive cruise control. Wouldn't even try to do lane centering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I still really like the the HMI approach that Nissan has taken with this, with changing the the color theme of the instrument cluster and the heads up display. To, so you don't have mode confusion. Did we you feel like it before. was easy? Like it was, you did, were you surprised? Like, did you ever find yourself like, like, Whoa, I'm not actually, it's not driving anymore. Or was it super clear no, all the time? No, it was always super clear. That's good. Yeah. So, good. uh, you know, unlike, unlike blue cruise, it was all super clear as to what was happening. Um, speaking of which, um, at one event I was at, I was talking to somebody from Ford, uh, who probably shouldn't have been saying this on the record. <gasps> Uh, but it was off the record. Uh, but but he did tell me that um, for the next generation of Blue Cruise, they are changing around that whole HMI. Good, because um, it's stinky. Yeah. But, but. <laughs> That's are my not professional putting, are, opinion. <laughs> they are not putting capacitive sensors in the steering wheel because that was too expensive. They decided it wasn't worth the cost, which I told them I thought was a mistake, that they should do that. Wait, but, so when it notifies you, it's just going to be visual then? Well, no, no, no. Um, like when it tells you to, when it's steering detecting wheel. if your hands are on the steering wheel, yeah. to put your, when it wants you to put your hands on the wheel, it's still using the torque sensor instead okay. of actually detecting oh, if your oh, hands oh. are actually on gotcha. the wheel. Sorry, misunderstood. I yeah. was thinking, that. okay. Hmm. Um, so aside from my complaints about that uh, with, um, with the ProPilot 2.0 driving into the sun in the morning or into the sun in the evening, um, 
otherwise it, it generally worked really well. Um, I was quite pleased with that. Overall, I really like this car. I, the haptic feedback from the touch controls on the center console um, and on the on the, the instrument panel, you know, is fine. But again, I would still rather have something I can feel without looking at it. Um, did I, did I, am I still complaining about this? <laughs> Cause I really no. like this car. I really liked it too. I mean, no, but your complaints are valid. I really yeah. like this car. I like the all wheel drive version better than the front wheel drive version, front wheel drive, front wheel drive. Yeah. Um, the E4 Ors. The E4 Ors. Really I don't, nice. I don't like its name, but I like how it drives. Um, I think this, I wish they had, I wish this one had come out before the other one. I think it would have gotten a more positive reception because I think it handles better so much better than the other one yeah. and i like i like the features there. i mean it, the stuff they have in there is good i love the little hidden compartment thing under the dashboard you know the little little drawer and, that you can and the, the movable center console and is the movable nice. center console is really nice so you can move it like so it's always in the right spot you don't have one of those like oh wait the, the armrest is too far i've adjusted my seat and the armrest is too far back or too far mm -hmm. forward um so it's got some really Neat features, despite the drawbacks that are quite valid that you've mentioned. It has great features to it, Sam. Yeah. Um, so the um, the E Force um, with the, Force. since it's the Platinum Plus E Four Ors E Four since it's the uh, the Platinum Plus um, has you know the bigger battery, um, which gives it a little more power. Uh, Three hundred and eighty nine horsepower. Um, I think. Let me find it here. Uh, let's see. Yeah. 389 horsepower, 442 foot pounds of torque. So plenty of performance. Performance is not an issue at all. Um, you know, lots of room inside, you know, e easily room for five people in there. Um, 87 kilowatt hours of battery. Um, the, uh, the range for the E4 horse, um, is 289 miles, uh, which is okay. Um, it's not exceptional, but, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's better than what you can get, get from Toyota. Right. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, a, an all-wheel drive BZ4X is like 220. So, you know, it's it's way better than that. Um, so, you know, overall, it it's a good vehicle. And, if, you know, if you're looking for, for an EV, you know, it's definitely something that should be on your list, your consideration list. Um, since the one I had was one of the, the pre-production models, that was used for the uh, the drive programs. Uh, there was no Monroney attached with it, uh, but um, I went through the uh, total. Um, the total sticker price uh, was sixty two thousand two hundred and twenty dollars. So this is basically, you know, a loaded model. Um, and best of the best. Yeah, um, and the um, uh, the shipping and handling charge. Any uh, estimates? Ooh, twelve hundred. I'm gonna go with eleven ninety five. It's uh, <laughs> what? There's the house. Right. That's the worst pick. Unless it's eleven ninety six. You have a range of five dollars. Eleven ninety six. I want. I like That's number one. Leave me alone. I hope she wins. It was thirteen thirty five. Oh. Dang it. Uh, so sixty two two twenty all all in um, delivered. Um, so quite, quite, quite a nice car. You should have said 1201. That would have been the. <laughs> I don't care. I just pick yeah. numbers I like. That's how okay. I play right. this game. All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, you know, if, if you're interested in a midsize 
crossover. Although technically, I guess this one is not listed as an SUV. It is in fact listed as a small station wagon. Um, so take that for what it's worth. It's wait, wait, wait. They call it a small station wagon? Yeah. So EPA has a bunch of different vehicle categorizations. Uh, okay. And when an automaker submits a vehicle for certification, you know, they have to pick the category it's going to go into. And for some of the categories, there are some criteria. Like for SUVs, there's two SUV categories. There's standard SUV and small SUV. The only difference between the two is the maximum gross vehicle weight, which is 6,000 pounds. So the uh, the Nissan Pathfinder, which you might look at and think, oh, that's a fairly large SUV, is in fact a small SUV because they they limit the GVW to 5,985 pounds. Uh, and they do that by saying you can't put more than, you know, what, 990 some pounds of payload. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you probably could put more than a thousand pounds of payload in it or a little more than a thousand pounds and it would probably be fine. But that's their official rating for it. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, you have something that looks like a car, like, say, a Hyundai Ionic 5, which is classed as a small SUV. And sometimes you have something that looks like an SUV that is classed as a station wagon, like oh the Aria or the um, the Nissan Murano is also classed as a small station wagon. All right. This doesn't make any sense. No, it's dumb. It doesn't dumb. make any sense, Sam. It makes no sense at I, all. I know. Less sense than the numbers that I pick. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the Nissan Aria E4 Orse Platinum Plus all-wheel drive. You're going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about some other stuff that we saw this week that is uh, coming off embargo uh, tomorrow before we release this. Okay. Um, let's circle back around to you, Nicole. You were okay. in, you were in Detroit. Uh, yeah. This week. So I was in Detroit for a hot minute and I actually drove two things. One isn't embargo, but they let us get behind the wheel of the Buick Encore GX, um, which they've redone. It's sort of like halfway to what Buick is doing for its new design thing. It has the new tri-shield badge on the front, which is completely different. It looks really cool. I like how it looks. Some people aren't a fan of it. I don't know if you guys have Googled and seen the new tri-shield badge. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? That's fine. I mean, instead of three overlapping shields now, it's three separate shields side by side by side. One three red, separate. one silver, one blue. Yeah. So Someone opened up Illustrator, clicked on each badge, and like hit the little arrow left or right. Left, right, <laughs> there left, we go. Right, left, well, and and up and down too, because they up, used to yeah. be staggered. Oh yeah. yeah, they had the little. Yes, now they're they're in a perfect little row now. Yes. Um. So it looks. I mean, I think it looks fine. I think it's. I think it's nice. They're really excited about it, and I think it does. You know, it. Okay, we got to keep our brand moving forward and keep it looking. You know, fresh. Fresh. Here we go. Keep looking fresh. So the, the Buick Encore GX is the very first Buick to have this new badge on it. And it's even cool. It's on the key fob. And that's how you lock the car. I want to say it was lock, not unlock, but you push the Buick little badge on the key fob, click, click. And that's how you lock the car. So, cool. um, so that was kind of neat. It gets a new front. It, they did some nice stuff inside. It has like 19 inches of screen. There's like an eight inch digital instrument cluster and 11 inch. Does that make 19? Yes. Infotainment touchscreen. And it, it looks good. They did a nice little update to it. Um, so we drove that, but then we drove it to the design dome um, on the GM campus, which have you guys ever been inside of it? It looks I have. Yeah. 
Okay. Cool place. It's really cool. And the thing I learned about this is kind of neat. The design dome, even though they're doing all this construction to update things on the on the GM campus, it's been the same dome for like since like the 50s or something. Yeah. Like 56 or 57 it opened. Yeah. So all these reveals and stuff that you have seen over the years and different things that you've seen that look like they're a giant dome, it's there, which is same dome. Same dome. It's kind of a nice little piece of history. I thought it was sort of neat. It was like, wow, there's a lot of history has happened in this little this little building. And what they were showing us was the Reimag Buick introduces the first ever Invista, a premium crossover with an approachable price. That's the little headline. Uh, so this this comes in at the bottom of the pack. So the Encore goes away. Then there's the Encore GX. Well, below the Encore GX now is going to be the Invista as the Invista. most entry level of the I guess could they would they call it a crossover? Okay, I'm calling it a crossover. I don't know what the heck the EPA is gonna call it, but it's a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> As we've discussed, they don't make any sense. So um so this is coming out, it's a 2024, um, and it's gonna start at 23,495, which is pretty darn affordable. And and I talked a lot with um especially for a Buick. Yeah, I talked a lot with Duncan Aldred. He sat across from me at dinner. He's their global VP of Buick and GMC. And I was asking him, because there's another Canadian journalist sitting next to me, and he sort of the same question, where so many brands are getting rid of their lowest trims, they're trying to make themselves more premium. Like, look at Mazda. They keep pushing higher and higher. You know, they're getting more and more premium. Buick is already a premium brand, but yet they're they're pulling that lower. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. sort of backwards of what everyone else is doing. And what he had sort of said is they felt that there's a little gap there because everybody is pushing things up. There's a little gap for the person who wants to get into a premium brand, but can't quite afford things that are truly at the top of that lineup. So it's sort of like to get people into the Buick brand to make a, an, a more easy entry level vehicle for people that are sort of aspirational and like, okay, I can get into Buick. It's still nice, but yes, you're putting up your hand. Yes. Sam, what would you like to ask? Did did you ask him, you know, kind of what he's, what he sees as the competition for Buick now, you know, as, as they're, you know, trying to remain premium, but more affordable, uh, more accessible, you know, does he, does he see a brand like Mazda now as a competitor for Buick? We didn't specifically talk about like if there was a specific brand that he saw as a competitor, but I think what, you know, we've talked about the general in more general terms as opposed to specifics. And when I mentioned Mazda is one of the ones that's pushing their lineup higher and getting rid of the, you know, the lower trims in their lineup and making their, their whole lineup increasingly more luxurious, especially in the top trims, Mazda's are gorgeous. And he's like, yeah, we're aware of that, but we feel just in general, those brands without naming names, they're all sort of leaving behind that person who's not quite basic mass market, not quite luxury vehicle. What if you just want to sort of kind of get there? Um, So I feel like he, you know, I think companies like brands like Mazda are the competition. I think they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and we talked a lot too about, you know, the person who's buying it, there's, they have the highest number of women buyers in the market, like women gravitate towards Buick. Um, Overall or just within GM? They said overall. Okay. Um, So, you know, a lot of women buy Buick. It's so, you you know, it's, so they're very much trying to, you know, cater to their, that market that they sort of have. They get a lot of conquest sales from lately. They've been doing really well. Their supply chain has caused issues like it has for everybody, like everybody, but still, despite that, they're doing really well. So they feel very positive about it. I think they feel like the Invista is going to continue to build that momentum. Um, And it looks great. And this one where the Encore GX just has a little bit of the new Buick design 
aesthetic to it. The Invista is full on 100%. This is the new Buick design. This is what Buicks are going to look like. This is where we're heading going forward. So it has that badge, but it has a very, it got sort of, it looks a little bit sportier, a little bit more streamlined, a little bit sleeker. It does have a more premium look. Um, it has the interior is somewhat similar to what I saw in the Encore GX. It still has that um, 19 inches of infotainment screen across there. So it still has that. Um, it has, you know, which gives it a very high tech feel. It looks great in the Encore GX. I'm sure it's going to look just as good when it's all set up and ready to go in the Invista. Um, we were in that sort of half seeing things, half not that you have when you're in a design dome and everything's not quite, you know, what it should be. Um, but so this is this is their attempt to bring a new to bring in new buyers. They're not necessarily trying to skew younger buyers, just buyers who are not served in that segment to begin with. It's like filling an empty spot. That's how they see it. What'd you guys think of it? Cause I sent you all the stuff so you could see it. So we could talk about it. I, I like, I especially like the one in the red here on the beach. Yeah. Uh, with the black wheels that, you know, it, it, it shows off, you know, kind of the, the curves, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it's got the, the fastback, you know, coupe like profile to it, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is a very different look from the old Encore. Right. Um, you know, and so it's, it's got, it's definitely got a sportier feel to it in terms of the design. Uh, it, you know, the, the body sides, you know, it's got some of that wave through the body side, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, depending on the, the angle, the lights hitting it at, you get kind of that S curve you know, in the, in the body side. Um, so it doesn't, it's not just completely flat. Right. Which it looks, I like that look. I like how it looks. And they, they had uh, for us to look at, they had the sport touring and the Avenir, which are the mid and the top trim. There's only one below that, the preferred. So there's just three trims. They, they wanted to simplify things. They don't want people to have to look at 85 different trims. You know, it's just, it's just three preferred sport touring and Avenir and they get a little, you know, the sport touring gets, you know, an ST on the headrest because, you know, it gets a little bit slightly more aggressive design cues. The Avenir goes a little bit more the upscale. It says Avenir on the headrest. Um, so they each have, a, they have slightly different personalities depending on which way you want to go. Uh, but I think it's, I think it could be a good car for Buick. I think it, it could bring in people who maybe wanted to get into Buick, get into a little bit more premium, but couldn't you know, spend another five or $10,000 up from that. It, it lets you get into the brand and hope their hope is that once you're there, you're going to like it. You're going to yeah, say, you know, and, and the Encore did really well for Buick. It was, it, you know, it was, it was Buick's best-selling vehicle through most of its model run. Right. Uh, so, you know, this one, you know, as a, essentially a replacement for that, mm-hmm. you know, looks a little sportier, a little, you know, a little newer. It, it, it gets away from some of those classic Buick design cues, um, you know, there's no more, you know, fender vents anywhere. Um, you know, it, it definitely has a, a little more modern look to it. Um, maybe in some ways, maybe a little more generic than, maybe. than, in, you know, in the past, but you know, it still looks good. I like it. Yeah. You go I'm... to where the people want to spend money. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the people want to spend money. I think it could, I think it's, I think it's nice. You know, people really were beaten on Buick because it's like, it's sort of like this, oh, it's the old person's brand. It doesn't have any spirit. It doesn't have any energy. But I think they're, you know, they're they're trying to morph what they were doing. They're trying to be relevant. They're trying to bring the brand forward. And I think doing something like the Invista, I think that that helps. You know, it's baby steps. It's not like you can introduce 20 new cars every year. You know, there's it's a process to redesign things and figure out your target market and continue to evolve with it. And the Invista is part of that. 
I applaud um, them for ha- putting a wagon out a few years ago and then having to pull it because no one would buy it. Yeah. I still, know they tried. They made, I know. I, we did. I, fact, we had that conversation at the dinner table. He's <laughs> I, like, I, yeah, Duncan's really like, yeah, I know all you guys all want a wagon with a manual transmission. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. no buying yeah, it, I, I, I love that Regal wagon. The, yeah. it's cool. Tour. Yeah. The Tour X. Yeah. Yeah, um, cool. Is this uh, front wheel drive only, or will it also be offered with all wheel drive? I believe this is front wheel drive only. I think it was just front wheel yeah. drive only. Um, yeah, it doesn't say anything about I'm, all wheel drive. I'm almost ninety percent sure because I'm getting the Encore GX in this mixed up in my head. But I think this is only fr- uh, front wheel drive only. Um, so that might be a downside for people who live in the Northeast or in the you know the the Snow Belt region I, who really increasingly want all wheel drive. But um, well, I they can just buy a GMC Hummer. You can buy yeah. a Hummer or yeah. you can slap snow tires, not snow tires, winter tires on there. <laughs> we, have, yeah. we we have not yet this episode wax poetic about winter tires. Put winter tires on your on your new Invista and it'll go yeah. a long way to making it good in the snow. Yeah, there an all wheel drive car with winter tires, better than a better than all season tires on a four wheel drive car. Yep. Yeah. All right. I just like saying Blazax. Blazax. <laughs> <laughs> or some Nokians, you know, there's 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 several good brands. Yeah, there's other ones, but we just like. There's other ones, but Blazak is my favorite. Blazak just sounds cool. It sounds cool. It's like, what do you have in your car? Tires. What do you have on your car? Blazaks. Now you're cool. Uh, Instantly, your cool factor goes up. I got Blazaks. All right. Um, So one of the reasons why I drove to Detroit this week uh, was to go into this uh, little event space in, in Detroit in Corktown. Uh, to get a look at the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus. Um, it was, for a while now, it's been a little unclear what Lincoln's plans were for the Nautilus because we've we've been hearing for a while that the Oakville assembly plant in Ontario where, where the Nautilus and the Ford Edge are built um, is going to be ending production of those two vehicles later this year. Uh, and then and then, and Ford, actually just before, the day before we got our backgrounder on the Nautilus, um, they announced that they were spending $1.3 billion to retool the Oakville uh, complex to build EVs starting next year. And they haven't said publicly what those vehicles are, but these are these are going to be the um, three-row SUVs, uh, the Explorer class and Aviator class SUVs, although we don't know for sure what they're going to be called yet. But those aren't coming out till end of next year. Um, but uh, the you know so it was it was unclear what the plan was going to be for the edge in the nautilus it looks like the edge is not going to get a direct replacement in north america so they'll go you'll go from the escape and bronco sport up to the explorer and, and onwards um at least not for now anyway maybe maybe once they're they have an ev maybe there eventually there'll be an ev replacement for that but for the nautilus um it has been completely reworked um and uh, this is now built on a heavily modified version of Ford's C2 platform. So this is the same platform used for the Escape, the Bronco Sport, the Maverick, uh, the Focus, uh, as well as the Lincoln Corsair. Um, and the the new Nautilus is two inches longer, two inches wider, and two inches taller than two, the two, old two. Nautilus. Yeah, two inches in every direction. Um, and the the design uh, is a combination of, you know, some of the stuff it's, it looks more in line with the rest of the, the current Lincoln lineup than the outgoing Nautilus did. Uh, Cause it's got the, the kind of floating roof layout. Kind of looks like kind of glass all the way around. 
um, available with uh, some two-tone options with a, a black roof. Um, but it also adopts the same sort of larger grill design that is on the 2023 Corsair, as well as debuted last year on the uh, the Lincoln Zephyr sedan in Europe. And you know, this is, at least for the vehicles that still have an internal combustion engine, this is the look that Lincoln's going with going forward. Uh, for at least for the next few years. Um, and then at the back, it's got uh, taillights that kind of go all the way across and then kind of wrap around the corners and down a little bit, kind of like the the rear lights on the Kia EV6, but also, mm. you know, very much the same as what we saw on the Lincoln Star concept last year. Um and you know, then the the rest of it, you know, you still have the 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 uh, undercut body line, you know, below the belt line, running from front to back. Uh, there's a clamshell style design hood on the front, uh, so that that cut line kind of melds in with the um, with that uh, undercut, uh, keep it looking a little smoother, a little cleaner. Um, overall, I, I like the interior or like the exterior design. Um, when they took the silks off the two cars, you know, they had one in the, in the space, in the place, um, that was kind of this boring gray color. Um, and then they had one that was this fabulous red that was very reminiscent of Mazda's soul crystal red, but not quite the same. It's, it's actually a little bit lighter, a little brighter it's red. Close. Than it's Mazda's. close though. They yeah. do. It's not quite Mazda level. It's like just the teeniest little it, bit. But it looks but man, great. it's close. It's yeah. close. It looks really good. Yeah, they call it Crystal Soul. Yeah, no, <laughs> they they had another name for it, which I I've forgotten now. I can't can't think of it off the top of my head. But you know, they they had to come up with some fancy name for it. The gray, yeah, it's gray. Whatever. It's uh, gray. <laughs> Battleship. They have, some bends, they have mul- multi- call multiple it. shades of gray available. Um, there's a there's a, a like a a steel a, like sort of a bluish gray. Uh, there's a really dark red, which is kind of like that dark red, that burgundy red on the CX-90. Oh, the new, um, uh, what are they? Uh, I forget what it's called. Artisan red. Yeah, the artisan red. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then this this lovely, you know, bright red color, which I think this is this is the color that everybody should buy for this vehicle. Um, the interior is where things get really interesting with this. Um, last year, when they launched the Zephyr in Europe, or in China, I should say, uh, it was the first Ford or Lincoln vehicle to fe- feature what they are referring to as a coast-to-coast display. So this is an idea that we saw a few years back when uh, Byton launched the M-Byte concept at CES, I think in like 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, Byton has now, you know, gone belly up. Um, <clears throat> but no, the- they're fine. <laughs> all fine. It's all but good. The- Everything's good. Yeah, the, the concept here, you know, is to provide more more space, you know, to see stuff and have it up closer to the driver's line of sight. So same basic idea as what Byton was doing, which I think actually worked really well. Um, compared to the Byton, this one is not quite as tall. It spans 48 inches diagonally across. It's actually two displays. It's huge. Two, two 26-inch displays. Um, you have something very similar that's coming in the, uh, the Cadillac Celestic as well later this year. Um, but you know, Cadillac hasn't given much detail on that one yet, but this one is, is 48 inches in total across the two displays. Um, and as I said, it's not, not as tall as the Byton and it, unlike the Byton display, which was flat, this one curves. Uh, so you got a little bit of curvature across 
Um, and it it's not really nicely integrated in here. Um, and you know, when we've talked in recent weeks about the the Toyota BZ4X and then the Prius Prime with having the gauge cluster display that sits that's supposed to sit above your view of the steering wheel, but depending on your proportions, oftentimes the steering wheel ends up cutting off the bottom half of that display. Yeah. Lincoln was aware of that issue um, okay. of what could happen with that when you try to put a display that's supposed to be above the steering wheel. And so they the steering wheel itself is kind of flattened out. You know, it's it's not a yoke, but they've taken a round steering wheel and kind of like heated it up and squished it from the top and bottom. So it's more oval <laughs> shaped. It's squished it. I'm so sure some designer is like, that is not what we did. <laughs> well, they, they did say, you know, they they deliberately squished it, you know, so that it's not going to cut into your view of the instrument cluster and at least for me sitting in it i had no issues with it and i didn't hear anybody else complaining about it now you know we didn't have a whole lot of time with it but uh but it looked good um this is also going to be the the first vehicle the nautilus is going to be the first vehicle with uh the new android automotive based infotainment system uh so it's got google automotive services built in so it's using google maps for for navigation and everything um, but it will have support for Android Auto and Apple CarPlay as well. Wirelessly. Now, looking, for now looking at the steering wheel, you know what? I just was pulling up the, the photo a little bit closer. Yeah, it was, really does kind of just look like you took a round steering wheel and you uh, yeah, just kind of squished it down a little. I think that is a good description. And I can, you know what? It does look like it would make it easier to see, like your chances of adjusting it so you didn't chop off parts of what you're supposed to be looking at would be better. Yeah. I'm really curious. I'm really curious. So one of the things, you know, you've got this big, massive display spanning all the way across the the dashboard. Um, you know, you think, well, what's going to go on the right-hand side in front of the passenger? Um, well, they're not going to be able to watch videos over there. Um, that much we know. Um, basically, right now, you know, there's there's a bunch of, there's a number of widgets that you can place across there. And on this particular one that I've got in the photos, you know, there's a weather widget, uh, there's a media player widget, and there's a clock. Um, a sort of semi analogish digital clock. Um, and you'll, there's other stuff that you'll be able to put on there as well. Uh, but no, no video playback. So no issues with, you know, distracting the driver or anything like that. Uh, but you'll be able to expand, like, for example, the navigation display um, and have a bunch of, you get, you get some different options for what can be displayed for the, for the driver information. Um, the, uh, I think in the picture I sent you, that's um, what I'm looking at. Yeah. The, you see the, uh, the the keypad on the center touchscreen. There's also yeah. a 10-inch center touchscreen. Um, they, ha they had it in valet mode, which you can enable so that the uh, a valet can't mess around with your with your infotainment system. Right. Um, it took me all of two tries to figure out the four-digit code for the valet code to unlock <laughs> it. One, two, they were doing, three, four. They were, no. they were, <laughs> they were doing one, demos two. in the... Uh, uh, in, in the gray car, the, the infotainment demos in the gray car. And technically they didn't want us messing with, with the infotainment in this so one. So you messed with it. Of course. Okay, good. I would expect else? nothing what less. Yeah, what would you expect <laughs> us to do? You know, I was, I was sitting with Bill Visnick, the editorial director for uh, society of automotive engineers magazines, you know, play, play, like, play, 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 play. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, tried zero, zero, zero. That didn't work. So, okay, I, tried, so, I, so, so I have a question. So I'm looking at your picture and there's that screen and then below it, I can see the, the gears 
Park reverse neutral draw. Mm-hmm. Then there's like a, a twisty dial. What are all the little, what the three little things on either side of the twisty dial? Uh, let's see. Let me find the right picture for that one so I can tell you. I mean, it it's like it's there's... other control. It's like the the various, you got the, the hazard warning lamps, um, the active park assist. Is that um, what all those things are below the gear shift section? Yeah, they're just toggles up wow. on and off toggles. One of, toggle is one of them like back. little camera thing. One is the camera. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the safety stuff is right one, there. Yeah, one is the, the max defrost and okay. um and then uh the mode, the drive modes. Um so yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. So yeah, you know, the stuff that you are gonna need, you know, maybe on a semi-regular basis. The right. center knob is just a volume knob. It's not like an iDrive controller. It doesn't talk. Oh, that's all it does because it's, it's huge. Vol- yeah. Volume knob and, and on off. So press it down to wow. on off, you know, turn okay. it on off. But yeah, so it. but you know, it's nice and nice and large, um, you know, easy to grab, um, you know, easy to find and give it a twist uh in either direction. So I mean overall, you know, from an early look. You know, it it looks quite promising, um, and uh, you know it's it looks like a like it'll be a nice system. Um, the uh, the powertrains in here, two powertrain options. Um, the uh, the base powertrain is the same, two hundred fifty horsepower, two liter turbo, four cylinder, uh, not an EcoBoost because it's a Lincoln um, that you can find in a whole bunch of Ford and Lincoln products, um, and then. In the uh, the other option is a hybrid, um, which will be a variation of that engine with 300 horsepower, but also a 100 kilowatt, um, 130 horsepower electric motor in the hybrid. Uh, so you can get a combined total of 310 horsepower from the engine and the uh, the electric motor. Uh, so quite a bit of electric power for something that's not a plug-in hybrid, mm. uh, surprisingly. Um, no details yet on you know on fuel economy or anything like that um and you know because it's based on that c2 it's a transverse but it's all-wheel drive is is all is standard across the board so no front-wheel drive versions of the nautilus this time around uh just all-wheel drive um with either a base four-cylinder turbo or a, a turbo hybrid i think it looks good i think it looks really good that interior is just killer it's just that's a lot happening there, but it looks fantastic. You know, yeah. I've been thinking about these larger and wider displays, and uh-huh. they're like, oh. and they're always like, "Oh, but you can look at the weather." Okay, <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's like a lot of things. Like, what else do we need? I, I we need I, I need navigation and media. Well, you know, when when I visited Byton <laughs> a few years back, before they you know before they uh, started running out of money and closed up their Silicon Valley office. They they gave me a demo, um, you know, both in the vehicle. We went for a ride in one of their prototypes, and then also I spent some time with one of their uh, with their head of uh, HMI design or user experience design um, in the studio uh, playing with this. And you know, their whole concept behind this was you know having this this big screen like that. One of the things they found from their studies was that especially with navigation, you know, a lot of times people are are zooming in and out to get more of a view of you know not just where they are specifically but also kind of the larger context of, of where mm-hmm. they are along the route and so one of the things they wanted to do with the big screen was to show more of the map on there so you could see both where you know the details of where you are but also where you are overall um and you know it's not entirely clear yet exactly you know 
how how this is all going to work on the the Ford system. Um, but uh, you know, I think if you can expand that map view quite a bit, I think that can be helpful. Uh, you know, from a usability standpoint. The other stuff, you know, having having it's the just, it's these just widgets over on the, the right hand side. In front of the passer, so you're looking really like way over there. Well, and know? it feels like you know, like it's a little bit like like you configure stuff on your like I don't know if you have like I have an Apple Watch and there's nine zillion things that I could show on the face. Mm-hmm. I don't and want all nine zillion. I don't <laughs> need those. Really, I need the date, the time, and I like to see my fitness stuff. That's yeah. it. Like there's, but there's well, like oh, you, you got the put, time here. You got you the can weather. Put, like nine zillion widgets on here. Like I look, I'm like I don't. There's no, I don't need all that. But you could. Yeah. But I never use all that. Yeah, and I think you also have the middle screen. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the middle, the middle screen, screen is the only one that's touch. So that, that's yeah. that's your interface to control the other stuff that shows up in the top. So I'm just it's not. I mean, it's not something to just link. I mean, everyone who wants yeah. everyone's I, yeah, it's not a link. It's like it's screen to screen thing. thing. I'm like, well, what's 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 going over here on the right? What what do we what are we missing? Is it <laughs> yeah. the time? Because that little itty bitty time. Those little numbers that are top left hand or top right hand corner of all the infotainment, those have been working fine for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Stellantis and some others, you know, Mercedes, they're using the, the the passenger side screen to allow them to watch videos and stuff and to interact with the the infotainment system separately from the driver. You know, so so for example, you know, uh a passenger could actually type in a destination on the passenger side screen, and ch- yeah. which the driver can't do. Uh, while the, at least while the vehicle's in motion, um, so we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it works. Um, so production starts the end of the year. It'll be available um, early 2024. Um, no word on pricing or anything yet. And production um, is going to be in China. This is going to be built in China and brought over uh, to North America from there, because the volumes didn't really justify since they're not doing an edge just yet or it sounds like they're not doing an edge replacement just yet. And most of the sales of Nautilus, of the current generation Nautilus, you know, two thirds of sales are in China. They're just going to build it in China and bring them, bring them over here for the U S market. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I think I want people in the discord to, uh, to give me uh, some some good widget ideas for the passenger side of the screen. Like what should it be? What, <laughs> what should, be should over you there? have there? What should yeah. be there? Give me some uh, ideas. All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, the Polestar 4 is the other one that's debuting tomorrow. Um, so many cars. Yeah, so many cars. It was um, a lot of, last week, it was last month, it was a million drives. Now it's like, let's have a million debuts. <laughs> and none of them at auto shows. That, yes, none of them at the auto show that just happened. Let's just do it all over. Well, the actually, place. both both the, the Lincoln and the... Um, the Polestar 4 actually are debuting at auto shows. It's just they're debuting in Shanghai. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> instead of here. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so let's see. The uh, The Polestar 4 is the uh, the third entry in the Polestar lineup. Um, also, another tro- – well, let's see. They're calling it an electric performance SUV coupe. Um <laughs> So, is that just a, that feels like an attempt to do all the SEO in one word? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, and and you know, this is even though they're calling it an SUV, is actually probably less of an SUV than the Nissan Aria, which is not an SUV. So, <laughs> this is so, so silly. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> the, this is 
This is actually surprisingly close in size to the Polestar 3. Uh, it's like a couple of inches shorter. Uh, the wheelbase is actually about the same, but it's on a different platform from the Polestar 3, which the Polestar 3 is going to be built first in China, and then they're going to add production in South Carolina at the uh, the Volvo plant there. And it share, the Polestar 3 shares its uh, SPA2 platform with the upcoming Volvo EX90. This is on what uh, we're calling the sustainable experience architecture oh, uh, developed crazy. by Geely, which is the parent company of Polestar and Volvo and about 33 other brands in China. Um, the, and uh, so it's pretty close to the same size as the as the Polestar 2 or sorry, the Polestar 3, um, but it's got a sleeker look to it. Um, what do you what do you think of the? Uh, the design of this thing. I it like how cool. it, That's yeah, I was just, the images that they put in that they released of it, it looks really sick. They have one that's gold in this image group. Gold? That's yeah. Kinda, gold card. I know. And that makes me think of James Bond all the time, but um, gold, no, finger. I, I gold finger. I like how it looks. I think it, and you know, and they use the design is really slick. It's, it's in keeping with the other pole stars, but they have that very slick sort of modern, like I want to be a sports car, but I'm a, Oh, I don't even know what the heck they're going to call it. I'm a not sports car. I an electric it, performance SUV. And I'm an electric performance SUV. Um, I do. I, I do like how it looks, but I, in general, I like how the pole stars look. I think they're sort of, sort of different sort of fun vehicles. So I'm a, I like this one. Like I let, like most of the lineup. And the, and the three and the four, you know, have a sleeker look to them than the the two, which is kind of a blocky, chunky look to it. Yeah, that's a little bit. This one, this one goes more towards fast and sleek and sporty. Yeah, I weirdly like that gold. I want to see that gold in person. Yeah, it's it's pretty slick. Um, the interior, they're, they're switching to a, a, a landscape display. It's a fifteen inch landscape display. Um, instead of the uh, portrait style display that they have on the Polestar two and on the three, I think. Um, but you still also have a 10 inch instrument cluster display directly in front of the driver. Um, do you notice anything unusual about the rear window? You mean the lack of thereof? What rear <laughs> yeah. window? Yeah. I mean, you know, so many of these coupe like SUVs, you know, these fastback SUVs, have such a narrow slot for the window anyway that like you know, if you drive the Volvo there C40 literally isn't one at all like it yeah, it's, it's not figured, there you know why why are we bothering with the glass if you can't actually see through it anyway like is this, that going to make it kind of dark um, like if you for, don't have that little bit of light coming in in the back like i'm thinking if you cl- you know what i mean well you do have a glass roof oh so that so probably if you're sitting takes... in the back seat you've got light coming in from above okay yeah, so you don't get anything coming in the back window, but you get the light from above. So that'll help. Okay, um, so I guess that'll make up yeah. for it. Because that was my first list. That's going to be really dark, but you're right. That glass roof is going to take care of that problem. And and the side glass also extends back pretty far as well. So they've compensated for that. Yeah. yeah. So it shouldn't be too bad. It'll just be weird not to have a rear window. It'll just be weird not. You'll just have to use your side view mirrors well, all the time, or do they have like a? Yeah, the camera. Have a well, there's also there's a, yeah, there's also a digital camera mirror. Yeah, then you're yeah. not gonna you're gonna be fine. Well, yeah. if you, you're gonna be fine you're, unless you're farsighted or you're getting older and you can't see because the the and, and I've brought this up with all every time I talk to an automaker, it has this. I'm like, do you have something where you can adjust? The focus of this, because as you get older, you're, you know, being able to see closer is more difficult. And so and you're looking in a mirror, you're looking through infinity. 
You know, you're not focusing on the right. mirror. You're focusing on what's in the mirror behind you. When mm-hmm. you're looking at a display, you're focusing on that mirror. You're not focusing mm-hmm. on what's behind you. So if you're, as your eye, you know, for older, for older drivers, as you get older, like now everything is fuzzy in your rearview mirror because you can't adjust it like you can with like, let's say like a, yeah. like a camera, like a DSLR. They should be able to, you should be able to like, oh, I got to adjust this and set that for your profile. So when you get in the car, you hit the little button and it says, oh, you know, Robbie's eyes are old. But his wife's eyes are not, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Old Eyes. Let me adjust things for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I like that. I would like old eyes. <laughs> old eyes. Old eyes. Good old old eyes is in the car again. <laughs> <laughs> so performance of this thing uh, looks like it's going to be pretty impressive. Uh, between the two motors, uh, it's going to have a maximum output of 544 horsepower. Zero to 100 kilometers an hour, 62 miles an hour, and 3.8 seconds. So not quite as fast as you know Tesla's, but but fast enough. Um, 102 kilowatt hour battery pack, um, and there's no range numbers yet. I don't think, but you know it'll probably be somewhere close to uh, uh, close. To, oh, let's see. Oh, so for for the long range single motor version, which gets uh, a two a 272 horsepower motor at the rear. Uh, so that sounds like it's probably the same motor that's in the, the updated Polestar 2. Uh, they're targeting a range of over 300 miles hmm. for that. So the the dual motor, higher performance version would probably be somewhere around 260, 270. Um, 200 kilowatt DC charging, uh, 22 kilowatt AC charging for all versions, um, and vehicle to load capability. So... Again, that's another one with bi-directional charging capability. That's that's I think that's something that's quickly going to become standardized across the board yeah. on new EVs in the next few years. I like it. I um I forgot to put this in the in the show, but I also have a car, another car that's coming out that's being released this being yeah. <laughs> okay. Well what is it? What what's so, the secret? All right, car? So that's the Polestar four. What, that is the what, Polestar four. Well what, um, when when when's the embargo on this other one? It's a uh, tomorrow morning at oh, okay. early, early. It's okay. I think we've morning. already discovered our latest embargo is the Polestar, right? So yeah, it's, it's like 9, 940 p.m. So this, this one is at 5 a.m. So what's uh, this? Pacific time, 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. It is the Mercedes uh, Maybach EQS SUV. Ah, okay. So if you're a fancy, fancy person or you're just a regular <laughs> person that rots the, that, that watches Succession, uh, you have seen a Maybach in the world. <laughs> um <laughs> There are a lot of Maybach in the uh, in, in Succession. If you watch okay. that show, I have not, um, if, but I'll trust you. If they're if they're if they are dry, if they are being uh, uh, driven around in a Mercedes, it's pretty. Li- it, it's more than likely they're being driven around in the Maybach, which makes sense. The Maybach, like like Mercedes, is like oh, we're this nice luxury brand, and they're like, you know, what? we're going to kick it up a notch. <laughs> not luxury and enough. Here we go. Not luxury enough. Here's the Maybach. Well, the, the, when Mercedes first brought back the Maybach brand, which hadn't been around since the 20s, I think, you know, they brought it back about 20 years ago. You know, they decided to try and make it a standalone brand, and that turned out to be maybe a step too far. So they pulled back a little bit. Instead of just calling it a Maybach, now it's a Mercedes Maybach. Right. Yeah. That so seems to be working for them. That seems yeah. to be where they've landed. That's the acceptable it's, description. It's the Maybach brand is 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 it's interesting because you know you, you on a Mercedes let's say in the EQS SUV you get in here like, oh I want comfort mode they don't have comfort mode in the Maybach version they have Maybach mode <laughs> oh that's super fancy yeah yeah Maybach exactly mode. 
So why is gonna... it my wait, wait, why is it my Bach and not Maybach? That's the German pronunciation of is it. Is it we're saying it like we're German? Is that what we're doing? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's Acceptable. like when I have to look up how to say Jaguar whenever there's a Jaguar ja- event. Jaguar. I can't say it like the English say it. Yeah. Jaguar. Jaguar. I can't do it. So yeah, it's so definitely it's, not Jaguar, that's for sure. No, it's not, not Jaguar. Jaguar. It's not Steve Jobs. Um so yeah, it's the it's it's essentially a really fancy EQS. It's the EQS 680 uh, Maybach. It does. I don't even know. We we were we were kind of asking them. I went to Portugal to see this this vehicle in a room that I wasn't allowed to take anything in with, like no cameras, no nothing. They're very paranoid about people seeing what is a a, a, a you know a, a two tone painted uh, Mercedes uh, with a different grill. It does have a different grill. It, it has a different grill. It has the, the, that Maybach, that double M, that Mercedes Maybach uh, logo all over the place. Um, the back in, in the front, it's nice. It's pretty, whatever. The back, though, the seats go back. Like you can, it's essentially like um, like air, like you're in a first class plane. So you can like sit the seat back and it moves the front seat forward. So if you're, you know, you, so you sit, if you're fancy, if you're a fancy man or woman, you get in the back seat behind the passenger who shouldn't be there. No one should be sitting there. And then you put it in like a little airplane and it goes and a little, little footrest comes up. And then there's, there's a, there's a champagne fridge in the middle. You take your champagne out and you have your special um, cup holders that grip the little bottoms of your, of your champagne <laughs> flutes. Oh my you God. Don't, you don't want those tipping over in the car. You don't want, you don't want champagne, champagne it's, spilled everywhere. It's it's it, like as you push it down, the little little clasps come up and grab it, and then as you pull it up, the little clasp let go. It's all very yeah. It's all very fancy. There's some classic German engineering for you. It's, yeah, it's like that. The, to me, every time I get into Maybach, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm just taking flutes in and out of the Maybach. Like, <laughs> you need to do a whole video for Engadget just on that. Just, just yes, just, just that. Me, Open it and close for 30 minutes. It's the 30 minute video of of it could be a great ASMR video. Yeah. (laughs) 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 So, so it's an all, so for, for those who, who, who have to drive the fancy people around (laughs) um, it's all wheel drive um, a 649 horsepower, 700 pound feet of torque It is still a 400 volt system. Mercedes hasn't moved on to their, what we're anticipating is a 900 volt system. Uh, DC fast charging uh, maximum 200 uh, kilowatts. Um, They wouldn't, it's the same packs. It's the same battery that's in the EQS SUV, but they wouldn't give us the capacity, which, in my brain means they're adjusting the chemistry, they're adjusting something, they're adjusting the software in order to get a little bit more uh, uh, juice out of that because it's, it's going to be heavier because you're putting all these extra motors and servos and magic fancy luxury things into this vehicle. Um, so, you know, they're, they're trying to get as, you know, as, as much uh, range as possible. Uh, they, they did give us a provisional, you know, WLTP type range up, up to 600 kilometers but about yeah, 400 they, miles, so yeah, somewhere it, around low 300s. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see how 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 it all how it all works out. Um, it comes standard with that uh, 10 inches of uh, rear steering, which again, I cannot uh, stress this enough. If you make a big car, a big SUV, or a big truck, you you just put rear rear axle steering on there. Just just do it because it's so nice. Whenever you're driving around, anytime like it, 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 I was driving the lightning around, and I was just like, "Boo!" 
<laughs> like, I like the Lightning, but I'd driven a bunch of things that had rear, rear wheel steering before it. I was like, oh, come on. Um, yeah, it'll do zero to 60 in 4.1 seconds, which you should never, ever do when you're driving their fancy, your fancy passenger around. Especially if they're you know, enjoying their, their very sh- expensive champagne. Yeah, or at least they're sparkling wine <laughs> if they're like, you know, slumming for the day. Um, yeah, I mean, they might be having some Prosecco. You know, yeah. It, it could be early in the morning, early on a Sunday morning. You're yeah. taking them to brunch. They're yeah. they're having a mimosa in the back. Making like. <laughs> I, I will know. say that. Making a do mimosa. My, do, do my buck owners drink mimosas? <laughs> I feel like they do what's occasions correct. On only on the right occasion. On Sundays, but only during the spring. It's you don't know. It's it's but, I mean I think I think if a Maybach owner was having a mimosa, it would only be done with somebody, you know, doing squeezing the oranges with their bare hands directly in front of them. <sighs> you know, and then you know, you've got the most whatever the most expensive champagne is. You know? Yeah. And then the nice yeah, like like fancy uh, oranges that have been flown in from the I don't know, wherever they make the best oranges. I don't know where that is. Valencia. Is it aren't Valencia oranges the best oranges? <laughs> I don't know. Are they from Valencia or is that just a name? I always think those are the fanciest oranges. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're not fancy enough to know where the <laughs> from. Um, yeah, it looks like a Maybach. Uh, a, Blood I'm, oranges. I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it'll it'll drive like a Maybach, and of course, because it's an EV, it won't have any vibration. I think it's again, whenever you're talking about these really high end vehicles, it makes a lot of sense for them to go EV because it just adds more smoothness more quiet more you know, tranquility to that to that uh riding experience um and yeah i, I don't know how much it's going to be but i know it's going to be a lot um it's definitely and if you have to ask you can't afford it territory uh, probably it's, gonna it's be def- a couple hundred thousand at least yeah. to start yeah and you know i keep breaking up succession because that's 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 who's going to be you know people like that are going to be i mean that's that's what logan roy rides around and he rides logan, around in my buck it's the it's the official vehicle of logan roy yeah I wonder, yeah. you know, with with that Maybach mode, does does the is the Maybach mode a specific mode, or is there a mode where you can like configure, you know, or like is there? A, I guess what I'm asking is there a champagne mode? Which I, would, champagne. Which I want a car with a champagne would, mode, which would you know, um, you know, would restrict the acceleration rate, you know, so you don't get there, any there, any of that that's, jerking. That's that's the Maybach mode. They they retune the uh, okay. They remap the acceleration for in Maybach mode. Um, so it's so you don't spill more, the champagne. So you don't spill the champagne, and then it, you know you can adjust the air suspension up to 1.4 inches. You know, for so it really, yeah. So they're really, you know, it's if it, it's such a weird thing. It's like, oh, if you've been in a Maybach, which who's been in a Maybach? We all have. That's you know, <laughs> I everybody. Mean, I've sat in one. I've dra- I've driven one. I've sat in one. But that's my job. Like my, my regular life, I'd never be in a Maybach. I don't even know if I'd see one. <laughs> My in my regular life, I never would have seen one. I don't I've, I've seen of... them in New York, you know, in Manhattan. You see them. There you go. Regularly. Driving by, you're like, ooh, yeah. this drives down the street. Who's who? What I mean, titan of industry is rolling down titan the street? Of industry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Maybach. Uh, there's a new one. It'll be uh, shown off tomorrow. It looks like a Maybach. It's uh, it's got like an actual like a grill grill because Maybach. Um, and I could, I, when it, when it did the little, the, in, in the rear seat and the passenger side, when it did the reclined seat, I fit. So wow. if you're, if you're tall and rich, you'll be fine. Tall and rich. <laughs> so, so cousin, cousin people. Greg could, would, would be, uh, would be cousin, fine in the back seat. I believe cousin Greg would be fine in the back seat. I'm not quite sure how tall cousin Greg is, but I he's, think he's, he's about he's, 17 feet tall. 
he is about to, he just towers over everyone just tall and lanky and as a tall person who's who who, who you know sometimes has to be around people who are not tall uh i feel for the that sort of like you don't want to be in anyone's way so you're always keeping your arms and everything and you're just like nervous <laughs> Yeah. So you don't want to be like me and talk with your hands all the time because, you know, they're, the they're going to be all over the place. I mean, look, like I can, like you guys aren't even in this state and I'm hitting you both with my hands. That's <laughs> wow, when I put Robbie, my put arm your hands out. down. Stop that. It is Take it, a, Robbie. You, you, you learn as, a young, as you get taller and your arms get longer, you realize, oh, I can't do that. To... <laughs> <laughs> I get to hurt people. <laughs> You're always just keeping your shoulders and your arms in. I have wide shoulders, so that doesn't even help either. It's just trying to keep, stay don't hit people with your body. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh. Um, we got two more uh, quick ones here before we uh, get into a couple of listener questions. Um, first up, um, Ford uh, made um, Blue Cruise available in the UK starting this week, um, which, you know, nothing particularly exciting about that. Uh, but, what is interesting is that this, the UK is the first market where Blue Cruise is available by, pres- by prescription. By you subscription. Subscription. You go to NHS. You got to go to the NHS, get a doctor to sign off so you can get Blue Cruise. No. Um, uh, subscription. for uh, So instead of paying a one-time fee to get Blue Cruise capability in your Maki in the UK, you have to pay, you have to pay uh yeah 17 pounds 99 so that's a, a little more than $22 US at current exchange rates uh a month so you get 3 months free to start uh as a as a sample and then uh 20 $22 a month $22.35 according yeah. to my calculator right yeah. this very moment $22.30 i don't think i'd pay $22.35 a month for that would you pay twenty two dollars and thirty five cents a month for that? Twenty two points. Um, not in. A, I mean, not based on the blue cruise I've driven to date. Um, maybe with the updated version, which I'm hoping to finally get into soon. Um, but uh, two hundred seventy dollars. I know. Yeah, seventy dollars a year. That's that's a, it doesn't it doesn't have well, succession, it doesn't have dairy girls, it doesn't have like it's not <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, by comparison, you know, if you look at other vehicles where you're paying for it, you know, up front, depend you know, depending on the model, you're paying somewhere between two thousand and twenty five hundred dollars for it as a one time. So oh, yeah. two hundred and seventy a month, you know, if you can turn off the turn the subscription on and off. You know, so like if you don't do much highway driving, but, you know, you know, you're going to take a road trip somewhere, you know, and you want to turn it on for a month instead of paying oh. a couple thousand dollars for it. Okay. You just have it on for that month. Yeah. I can understand. And, you know, it's crazy because we, we went, my, my wife and I, she's from, she's from Belfast and we were driving from Belfast up to like the North, which was like, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. And that is insane as far as everyone in her family was uh, uh, concerned, like driving like an hour and a half in a day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? Like, yeah, we're driving. Like, no, we would stop. We would have a lunch. We would do <laughs> There's like a whole, a whole thing. So, there's a whole thing like driving that far, at least back in the early 2000s in 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 uh, Northern Ireland. So uh, yeah, so it's yeah, I I, I I guess yeah. I mean, if you can well, turn it on and off, you know, for for, I'm fine for, compar- with it. for comparison, you know, Tesla charges two hundred dollars a month for a subscription to FSD, $200. and you can't even take your hands off really? the wheel with that one. Two hundred dollars a month. That's so, bonkers. All right, twenty two dollars. It's not such a bad deal. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess when you put on, it like, that way, it seems pretty cheap. It's like yeah. the Showtime. Like I don't like need to be subscribed to Showtime. I just need to wait till Yellow Jackets has finished the season, then right. subscribe for a month or two, and exactly. then unsubscribe again. And unsubscribe. We all do that, though. And That's then they true. just and then That's all these true. companies just hope that you forget to unsubscribe. And they yeah, get like a couple. It, even if you forget just for one month, they're like, "Oh crud! I paid for a month I don't need." They're going to get an extra month out of you. Yeah. Then yeah. you cancel. You got one extra month. Dang it! Yeah. Driving around with your hands off the wheel. Yeah. I'm not putting my hands. I had to pay $22 and something cents. All right. Um, Last one is uh, a a new patent that's been discovered for GM's electric tow dolly. Um, And, you know, the the headline and motor trend, you know, talks about, you know, helping smaller vehicles drag bigger loads. Because, you know, if you got, you know, small to mid-sized SUV, and uh, you know, usually they they have maybe thirty five hundred to five thousand pound tow rating, but you want to haul a bigger trailer, you know, you could hook up one of these. And the idea is you've got this thing that hooks up like a trailer to your vehicle, has um, you know, in this kit, in the the diagram and the patent, you know, has four wheels. That's probably what you would want to use, battery and electric motors, um, and then you hook up your trailer to that. So you charge that up. That provides some extra torque to help you pull a heavier trailer. Aren't you? Aren't you adding a level? I mean, yes, totally cool idea. But aren't you then? You know, it's hard enough for people to drive with a trailer hooked up to that car. Now you've turned your vehicle into like it looks like the old train car. You do the pump up and down to get the car. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like now you've added one of those in the middle to make it that much more complicated for you to back up. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean it makes a little more sense with the fifth wheel setup, but even then you're like you're adding a, like a whole other like like uh, uh what do you pivot point? Pivot point. Yeah, pivot yeah you've got yeah, yeah, you've got pivot two pivot points. points. Yeah. I was like it, I, I, mean, it, I mean you know with with some, I mean if you have something like you know Ford's got this you know tro, tro, uh, pro trailer backup assist, you know right. where they use the sensors and instead of turning the steering wheel you just turn the knob on the on the dashboard where you so want it to knows go. which way so and you it, don't have to do that yeah. yeah i mean that would certainly simplify it does this have that um we don't know okay I mean, that's then not, until not, i know that's not until part of, I know, okay that's not that, part of this patent application like what is okay wait second image down first image is the one we're all looking at scroll what is the guy now leading it like a horse what is happening there oh uh, well yeah I mean, basically you know the that's idea fifth wheel set up yeah so you can you can back this thing up independently, you know, so you can maneuver this thing around independently to hook up, hook it up to the so trailer put it underneath and the then you hook wheel. up your vehicle to this. Yeah. And then you hook. I, I mean, good for well, them it, for coming up with the idea. How about that? That one yeah. looks well, you know crazy think... because that one doesn't have as many pivot. Well, no, will it? No, yeah, I no, it still got the extra it's just pivot there. point. It's, yeah, it still has the extra pivot point. Never mind. This They're makes shoving it on the... But yeah. I think where where this gets interesting, I mean, there's a couple of things that are that are potentially interesting things with this. One, you know, to to your comment about the pivot points, you know, if you if this thing, let's say, it has two motors in it, and you can control each of the two axles, you know, independently of each other, you could potentially build in, you know, some more advanced trailer sway control in there mm-hmm. by yeah. adjusting the torque on the two motors. Um, yeah, so you, you, you could help, you could, yeah, you could help it compensate for the trailer. Um, and then the, <laughs> the other thing is that, um, if you're towing with an EV, you know, we've talked about, you know, mm. how long distance towing with an EV is a problem. Feels and there's, yeah. there's some companies that are working on actually building 
some electric drive and a battery into trailers, you know, which obviously is going to add a lot of cost to the and weight to the trailer. But um, and and it's not something that you would necessarily need all the time. Whereas if you had something like this, you know, you could use this to offset, you know, some of the extra drag you've got from the trailer and you could have a longer range, longer driving range with it, depending on the size of the battery in there. So how much, okay. So I get it would give the car the, the, your, whatever you're driving, that can't tow enough oomph to tow, but what about legit? Just like, okay, you hook that puppy up to a civic <laughs> and a civic is a teeny tiny wee little vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Now you have enough power technically to tow that giant trailer, but doesn't the, isn't the weight of that? Like if anything ever remotely started to get away from you, you're trying to manhandle that <laughs> yeah, from thing, behind the, the less, wheel of a Civic. The thing that weighs giant... the least is your, is the, passenger the car. car you're yes, in. Like you start getting whipped around. Right? Yes. Like I'm like now, like your car is so wee tiny. It's like, now you have enough power to do, but Oh my God, I still weigh less than everything else. Ah, and you're like, do you see the, is that a wrong oh, yeah. engineering assumption or a right no, one? No, 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 that's, that's absolutely valid. <laughs> um, you know, and there, there, obviously, you know, there would need to be some limitations on what you could do, you know, what kind of vehicle you could use this with. Um, you know, I, I think, I think it's an interesting idea. And I think, I think where it actually does make more sense is the, uh, the EV example mm, yeah, rather than probably. towing with a small car. Yeah. Uh, I just, I think that at the end of the day, this is a, you know, it's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's a cool idea, but just it's put interesting. That, put yeah, that but in the trailer, <laughs> just like like Airstream, yeah. they're like, oh, we're gonna put this in the trailer. Yeah, like put the so, boost right in the trailer. If the trailer company did that, and then you put it, yeah. But you still like have you have the, two versions. You have the the dumb version of the trailer. Someone's still gonna and try and hook that the, sucker up to a Civic, and we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Europe, they would just hook it up to a Civic regardless. So. Right, That's no matter true. what. <laughs> they're like whatever. Again, uh, uh, t- uh, uh, Subaru. Imp- <laughs> Subaru. <laughs> I saw a little Subaru wagon dragging a horse trailer while driving through. Oh my gosh! Switzerland. Ugh, that's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it was well. It was only a one. It was a single horse trailer. It wasn't like a big giant no. one. But still, still, horses are not. Still. Light. Yeah, yeah. Horses I mean, that's, are not that's still, tiny that's still probably animals. you know at least four or five thousand pounds. Right. Yeah. It was you know, for a single horse trailer. Mm-hmm. Cruise along on the autobahn. Good baby. All right. Um, let's answer a couple of listener questions. Um, let's see. First up, Sean Whitehurst uh, says, greetings, Wheelbearings team. If I bought an electric I-7 and wanted to listen to Wheelbearings or Fast Women while driving the I-7 and had a passenger and a rear seat child um, with the flip down screen. So this is the cinema screen that you can get in the new 7 okay. series, the 32-inch screen in the in the back seat. Um, how would How would we all hear our appropriate audio tracks? Is there zoned audio? Oh, it's, uh, it's headphones. Yeah, you'd have everyone. Backseat else. passengers would use headphones. So the, everybody'd have to use headphones except for the driver, obviously. Yeah, that's yeah. when you when we get these cars in, they get they come with headphones, yeah. like Bluetooth headphones. Like even the the I was in the the EQE SUV that has with the hyper screen. I was cruising around. I was watching everything. We already talked about so the movie. Headphones for the front seat passenger. Yeah, and it was like you want to put head, like it wouldn't play the audio for the movie. I had to put headphones on. Okay, and that was. Yeah. So yeah, it's headphones. All right. Um, next up, rotating darkness and Discord uh, says, "I have a Mach-E, and I have a question about the electric motors in the electric cars. How likely are they to stop working? Has it mm-hmm. happened? If it does, are they expensive to replace? So I mean, anything can stop working. Right. All things break. Yes. Eventually. Um, 
in general, electric motors are pretty reliable. You know, there's pretty much there's basically one major moving part, which is the rotor. Um, but there's also some bearings in there. And actually, the most likely thing to fail, if anything fails, is going to be the bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other stuff, you know, is there's not much there in terms of complexity. It's not likely to break. But has it happened? Yes. Um, over the years, um, Tesla has had a number of issues, you know, with some of their various models where they've had to do recalls and and replace uh, electric drive units. Um, so it does happen sometimes, not very often, but it does happen. Um, and if it happens out of warranty, probably going to be pretty expensive to replace, but probably not any more expensive than replacing an internal combustion engine if that seizes yeah. up on you. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's 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 like one big turny thing as opposed yeah. to a billion little turny one things. big turny thing. <laughs> this is a very like I'm trying to think of the, the the least like technical like there's one big turny thing versus like your regular car which has a bunch of little turny things all going at once. Well, turny things and push, pumping up and down things and all oh, kinds yeah. of stuff. Juices, yeah, there's, there's, juices flowing. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot more things that can go wrong in an internal combustion engine than an electric motor, right? Yeah. So now, anything um, can break, but more things yeah. can break in a yeah. internal combustion engine. There's yeah, that. I mean, if, if you had to replace an electric motor out of warranty, you're probably looking somewhere between twenty five hundred and five thousand uh, dollars, which is no more, and in most cases, probably less than replacing an engine that died on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my friend's mini like exploded or something, and he was like, it's "Oh gosh, three thousand dollars to replace the thing," and I'm like. Dude, just yeah. Well, my my kids, Kia like Rio, of, like three of his engine. friends are in the automotive world, and three of his friends can. Ha- we he's been with us while we fix while we replaced engines in front of him. Like he just like was a, there along. Like hey, yeah. go screw this in and make sure this is torqued correctly. And it's just like I'm gonna shake it to the shop. I'm like, oh man, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, re- um, for one of my kids had an engine seize up in a Kia Rio, um. Because Eggs. they didn't, they didn't change the oil, or, oh. or they, they let the oil run out. They they changed the oil, but there was a leak or something. And anyway, um, there was no oil left in the pan, and so it decided, yeah, I'm not going to move anymore. And <laughs> I, car's like, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, a a, re, a rebuilt engine for that from a from a remanufacturer. Oh God, uh, was like twenty six hundred bucks, and oh, that's not including labor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. I'm, yeah. That is I'm a lot the, of monies. When when yeah. the engine blew on my Del Sol, I think a new uh, a engine from Japan where they literally just laser off all the things and just throw the engine at you was like four hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> it's like thirty thousand ish or forty thousand ish miles. Yeah. And I yeah, that was like oh, like, this is great. And he, I got free fuel injectors with it. Oh, excellent! <laughs> all these all these free little extra like anything like they're selling you the engine. And anything that's attached to it, they're like, well, you can have it. We don't care. Yes. So you get all these like little extra little things. It's like a little bonus. Um, all right. The last one is from longtime listener Chuck Goolsby. Uh, he actually sent us a recording. So Chuck sent us uh, some uh, some thoughts that he had on various ADAS systems he's tried out. Uh, he's a, a car enthusiast, um, drives an old uh, BMW M Roadster. Um, very, very nice. Um, and, um, so this runs about five minutes, five and a half minutes. Um, and I will drop this in here 
and uh, we can hear what what he has to say. And I think you know, more, we'll we're probably I know I'm pretty much in agreement with with what he said um, about uh, especially about lane keeping assist systems. Um, so here we go. Here's Chuck Goolsby. Some thoughts on ADAS in in the real world here. I'll preface this by saying I'm an automotive enthusiast. I collect cars. I maintain and repair cars, actually, for fun. I race cars. I rally cars. And I love to actively drive my cars. I've chosen to live in the mountains in a largely traffic-free rural area, hours from the nearest interstate highway, because I actually enjoy driving as opposed to viewing it as an annoyance. My winter beater ski car is a 2008 Subaru Outback wagon, and my summer car is a 2007 BMW M Roadster. Both have manual transmissions, and yes, they do have basic cruise control, which I hardly ever use. So I'm clearly not the target audience for an ADAS of any sort or autonomous driving system. However, I do try them out wherever I encounter them in the interest of science and curiosity. Through rental cars mostly, I've used systems in Fords, Kias, Hondas, Toyotas, and Nissans over the past few years and found some really useful and others really annoying to differing degrees. For example, I see the absolute ideal use case for an ADAS system in two wildly different scenarios. Number one being stop and go traffic. Number two being highway travel. In heavy stop and go traffic, various ADAS systems do very different things. What an ideal system would do is follow the car in front of it, maintaining a reasonable distance. Most of the systems I've tried do okay with this, but so far all but one stop fine, but fail at the go part. They will stop, but only alert you to go, handing over that task to the driver. I think the only system I've tried that was able to actually go in stop-and-go traffic properly was from Honda. My wife and I were in the Florida Keys stuck in a crawling single-lane stop-and-go for close to two hours, making very slow progress, and the car would competently creep along with the traffic with minimal input from me quite well. It only failed at the go part if we were stationary for a longer period of time. This was near ideal. Sadly, every other ADAS system I have tried disengages soon after coming to every stop. If I were to have to live in Seattle and its commute traffic again, I would kill for a system that would competently just creep along, stopping and going as needed. Highway travel falls into two camps, really, sort of the traditional rural or multi-access highways like we have here in Central Oregon, and limited access highways such as multi-lane interstates. My experience with ADAS on interstates is very limited since I so seldom drive on them, but I have noticed that ADAS functions really well in rural areas with light traffic, but becomes really annoying in urban and suburban multi-lane freeways with moderate to busy traffic. For example, it completely overreacts to human behaviors that our brains fully comprehend that are happening around us, but to a machine seem like a disaster unfolding. 
The classic example is the idiot crossing multiple lanes in front of you at the last moment to get in an exit. We instantly recognize what's going on and know that little to no input is really required on our part. But to the ADAS system, this is a moment to slam on the brakes to prevent a collision. So now there appears to be two idiots on the highway, at least to everyone behind you. My wife has a 2016 Ford F-150 whose ADAS is actually pretty good. We travel up and down Oregon often from Klamath Falls to Portland and everywhere in between. The long, boring stretches of U.S. Highway 97 with its semi-trucks, long straights, and extremely limited passing opportunities make for an ideal kind of ADAS awesome cruise control scenario. It'll keep the vehicle a reasonable distance behind the traffic in front of you, automatically adjusting speed up and down, and just a bit of throttle as a passing lane opens up will get you around the truck and back to your set speed with pretty minimal effort. No, not as fun as dropping two gears and punching at the BMW, but it does it does work. Where I've all but given up on this ADAS stuff is the lane keeping. I've yet to experience one that doesn't drive me insane. The haptic feedback varies from mildly annoying to frightening. That same Honda that I liked for its ability to handle this stop and go drove me bonkers by literally shaking the steering wheel back and forth to warn me of a perceived lane departure. I mean, what the actual... Even worse was how difficult it was to turn off and the fact that it came back on by default every time I started the car. I seem to recall the Nissan we rented in Maui having the least offensive lane departure feedback behavior, but honestly, I disabled them all after living with them for a little bit. I'll always try what they have to offer, but so far none have provided a benefit greater than their annoyances. All righty, and we're back. And uh, like I said, if you uh, if you want to send us audio, um, you can uh, if you want to put it in a Dropbox or put it anywhere else, um, and just send us a link to it um, to feedback at wheelbearings.com, or sorry, feedback at wheelbearings.media, um, and uh, uh, we will include that in the show. And then uh, also, um, you know, if you've got any questions or comments, other comments that you want to share with us you know please send those and you can be part of the show um and then the last thing i've got that i will play after we uh sign off here is the interview that i did with ralph Gilles, uh who is chief design officer for stellantis uh during the new york auto show a couple of weeks ago i've been putting uh all these interviews in the uh the private feed for patrons uh for patreon supporters of the show uh and i will be including these in the main show over the next several weeks uh, but if you want to hear this stuff earlier, you can certainly, uh, if you want to support us as a patron, um, then you get an ad-free version of the show and you can get this other content earlier than everybody else does. So thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, um, yes. Chief Design Officer for Stellantis. Mm. Your uh, scary your, sounding title. <laughs> your portfolio has gotten progressively larger in recent years. You got yeah. a lot of brands that you're overseeing now. Yes. Yes. Um, and this is, I mean, 
you've you've had uh, an, a great career you know, in terms of some of the products that have come out during your tenure. Mm-hmm. And this is a particularly interesting time for a designer mm-hmm. uh, as we make the transition to electrification. Um, you know, what, as a designer, you know, leading a global design team, what what are some of the biggest challenges that that face you as you move into this era of building electric vehicles? Well, that's a that's a big, big, hairy question. Um, Couple things is in every almost in every case we're also doing real time brand design, brand redesign, right? Because there's a message behind design every new vehicle now. There's new technology, there's new promise, uh, there's new uh, proportions, aerodynamics, uh, efficiency, you name it. All these things to consider more so. Uh, there's transitions on how you present premium, how you present luxury, how you present sporty. The good thing is we have so many brands. The bad thing is to separate the brands and make sure there's not there's a right cross pollinization where no one can see it in terms of being efficient, uh, borrowing the best ideas from each other, but yet keeping the brands absolutely focused on their particular missions uh, and enjoying the fact that we have so many brands, not not competing with ourselves. That's probably the biggest challenge, right? Is to avoid that. And you know, one, one of the seems to me one of the big challenges you know, traditionally with with vehicle design, you know, the face of the vehicle is, mm-hmm. is that's the thing that gets people's attention first. In terms of True. identifying the brand, yep. Jeep, you got the seven-slot grill. Yep. Uh, you know, for a long time you had the crosshairs for Dodge. Yep. Um, you know, various other faces. You know, Peugeot. Yep. You know, now you know they've got the the, the, the lion's yep. claws. Yep. Uh, so, as the need for the traditional face of the vehicle kind of changes, you know, or what the, re- the requirements change, mm-hmm. how how do you address that? You know, and and still. Uh, you, know, you, you look, for example, at Tesla, you know, and they've just kind of flat front, you know, there's, there's nothing there. How, how do you create that differentiation among the brands, keep them interesting? Um, the number one answer is unleash the designers. Just let them imagine as much as they want. Don't over-guide them. Now, we do work with our brands and figure out what's, what's the brief, and the brands help us come up with the word or, or the, the statement that they want to represent. And sometimes it's just that that key key line like harmony and motion for Chrysler and, and you know built to serve for Ram what does that mean to you as a designer and you'd be surprised even a statement like that can equal an aesthetic can equal a presence that we want to communicate with the vehicles looks technology we have at our, at our fingertips um uh, but at the end of the day, for me, it's it's got to be pure. You know, it has to be something that you see 100 feet away. You know exactly what that is. Uh, it doesn't want to be too, even my own CEO doesn't like it when it's, there's too much. It's over-designed or there's just a mishmash of ideas. It has to be pure, clear, uh, recognizable. And that, over time, seeds itself and, and the brand becomes stronger, right? So we're trying, every time we do a car, a brand new design, we try to amplify the brand's purpose but also distill it. You know, take take away, take away, take away until you're left with something so pure it's undeniable to me. Yeah, and yeah. You know, a great example of that is the, the, the Charger Daytona SRT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it's actually it's, a very clean, simple design. There's, yeah. And that's okay. But it's got some really interesting elements to it, yeah. like that slot on yep. the front. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, it's something, that's something you could never have done yeah. with a Hellcat-powered exotage. Yeah, so we took advantage of it. Yeah. That's the thing. The new technology bring, affords us some great opportunities as well. Now, the other thing is you don't always have to 
painfully makes something look like an EV. There's like this forced EV aesthetic. I don't believe in that. I think it just has to be a beautiful device, a beautiful car, a beautiful statement. And if it's EV, sure, it'll have some things that denote it. Like we have a little bit fun with the blue on the, the PHEVs, or with, in the case of the Ram, the front uh, allowed us to rethink the entire front end. And we took advantage of that to give it a new signature. A very, uh, It's nothing to do with the previous Ram signature, but it's now accepted as Ram. And people right away, oh, yeah, that's the new Ram Electric. You know? Yeah, I mean, so, when we saw the, um, the, the Revolution concept yeah, in January, yeah, yeah. You, know, you see the, the tuning fork, yeah. lights, and I think lighting is, is an interesting area that you suddenly have a whole lot more freedom. Incredible with. amount, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and we've been experimenting, in every brand that we have, we've been having a lot of fun with light piping technology. Uh, and it's it's actually one of those things you don't want to get too carried away because it can almost overtake the design. Uh, but if you use it the right way, it's powerful and, again, reductive design where it's not... not Punching it in the nose, it's just doing its work. Yeah, as, as you as you look forward, um, you know, are there are there any particular brands, you know, out of the portfolio that, that you're particularly excited about making taking to that well, level? Well, my counterparts uh, in Europe are, are working on Lancia right now. This is a very beloved brand in Europe, especially in Italy, that that hasn't had much product yet so there's a there's a lot of work going on redefining the brand this and uh, Jean-Pierre Plouet's team has worked on uh, manifestos uh, trying to, to kind of symbol you know show where the brand is going you'll see more of that coming uh, Peugeot is in good shape I mean they have that like yeah. you said the iconic look and they're, they're uh, populating that across the board but in our case for me it's Chrysler I think Chrysler is the as a project I can't wait to you know we actually well in our way um, working on a new aesthetic for Chrysler a new meaning a new purpose uh, I, I knew everything, so it's 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 rare that happens when you get a car blanche to to, to reset a brand uh, both aesthetically and functionally uh, with the brand CEOs that is excited as the designers working on the vehicle. What uh, yeah. with Chrysler? What what is what do you see as that that purpose? Well, we we right now we call it harmony in motion. Um, so no interest to be mainstream. It's it's something that is is existing to to literally make people fall in love with their car. You know, like. But it's not going to be zero to sixty performance. It's not off-roading. It's not towing. So it plays this important role in, in transportation. So compelling that it, you just like it as an object of art. It makes your life easier. And then there's a whole support network behind that. Uh, again, coming from a, a, a female CEO, she looks at the automobile in a very different way than an enthusiast like myself would. Right. So she she wants the purchase experience to be simplified, the interior to be uh, distilled down to the essentials. You know, the fabrics to be stimulating in the way they look and touch and feel in a different way than a, a dude. <laughs> so so trying to capture that message. Not that it's going to be a woman's car necessarily, but it's going to have a certain effortlessness that only a woman could, could direct. You know? Interesting. Um, and then what about uh, Jeep? I mean, we've seen a couple yeah. of the, the upcoming things, the Recon, the Wagoneer S, yes, you yes, know, yes. both uh, you know, interesting evolutions of the, of the yeah. Jeep look in different ways. It's such a, it's our most global brand, and it's and right before my eyes. I've been at the company thirty uh, one and a half years now, and I've seen the brand become uh, almost a niche brand. It was a niche brand to now a global juggernaut. I mean, it's in every co- country in the world. Uh, it's understood in every country. Right? When actually people use Jeep as an adjective to describe other vehicles that do Jeep-like things, yeah. uh, which is a compliment. We don't yeah. take that. I mean, the, the Wrangler is perhaps yeah. one of the most iconic yeah. vehicles oh, in the world. Yeah. And, and also, um, I would say, historically significant, right? The, the symbol of that freedom, what it did for, for World War, uh, is incredible. So we take that, and there's that DNA in everything that we do. There's a little bit of the Wrangler in everything that we touch, literally, especially in terms of... Uh, 
of Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but managing that brand and staying true to what it is and carefully evolving it where it makes sense, uh, offering solutions that are maybe country-specific, like the Avenger in, in, in Europe. Uh, it's already off to the races. People get it. They love it. Uh, the designer that worked on it is Italian, but he spent a whole year with us in the U.S., and he went to Moab, like you saw, and off-roaded. He, got, he ended up buying a Wrangler, and he drives it in the middle of Turin. I mean, go figure. Uh, so he's invested, right? So that... How do you take your designers, your your family, your 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 brand people? You're so invested that everything that comes out of your pores bleeds Jeep, and that's what we're trying to do. And I think our customers feel it when they get in our cars; they see the commitment to Jeep. And uh, and I think it's a brand that we're just going to keep keep evolving carefully with love. <laughs> and one one last area I want to get into is um, interiors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, people, you know, vehicle owners, spend more time. In most cases, probably yeah. spend more time inside the vehicle, experiencing that yeah. that 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 cabin, than they do on the outside yeah. and looking at their vehicle. There's obviously exceptions, but uh, um, you know, how how do you see the interior evolving? Um, you know, software-defined vehicles to sell yeah. I think number one, we can really uh, detoxify it. As a, as a term that we like to use, is, is, is distilling it down, getting rid of the buttons as much as possible. Uh, only what you need is there, and then the rest can be done. Now, we're trying to get good at it, but finding a way to present the data as you need it, right? How do you present? Because a car can do many complex things. It can actually overwhelm you if you're not careful. So trying to find a way to make that an elegant use, use experience, user experience. Uh, but behind that, there's sustainability goals. We're, we're slowly backing away of what used to be we would consider premium materials are now switching over. Uh, some of our competitors are using fabrics. We're using fabrics more and more uh, sustainable upcycled uh, fabrics. Uh, uh, chrome is slowly going away, being replaced by sustainable water-based paints. Um, and you can go on and on and on from there. So how do you... Because um, there are some traditional materials that people like and associate to a beautiful interior, but how do we do that in a new way that is, is less uh, that is more sustainable? So that's a big project for us. But that aside... Um, Execution, 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 right? So all of our interiors, I hope you've noticed, have come a long way in terms of fit and finish. It uh, doesn't matter what price class it is, it should be made like a bespoke, you know, coach-built vehicle, right? And that's what we're trying to communicate, especially with the Wagoneer. You get in there, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know? I mean, you, you look at, yeah. you know, the, the vehicle, the North American brand vehicles in particular, which I've spent a lot more time with than, than the European brand vehicles. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you know, Jeep, Ram, yeah. Um, and and um, Chrysler, yeah. and, uh, they, they all over the last decade they've really transformed. And, yeah, you know, yeah. on purpose. As, yeah. as, as, as you know, you know, yeah. I mean, there was a time in the in the company's history when the interiors were not yeah. given the most love, and and that's that's really shifted in the last decade. And yeah. you know, I mean, the, the Ram trucks, you know, they are far and away the the best interiors of any. Big truck. Thank you. Yeah, and, and the Wagoneer. And that was our mission. Lovely, lovely that was literally our mission. But when we were briefing ourselves ten years ago, we said we want to be the best, not just truck interior, just just damn interior, right? So yeah. having that mentality, and sometimes it's not, it doesn't cost anymore. Just that give a shit, is, you know. Excuse my French, but yeah. caring about the millimeters and the details and designing things down to the micron level. I'm not joking. Interference fits. I mean, stuff that we would benchmark vehicles three, four times the price of what we were designing. For inspiration and it works. Now we kind of have it figured out, so we're off to the races. 
Uh, but that was a mission of our team to, to be known for our interiors. And, and when you talk to our owners, they're describing it. They don't know how to articulate it, but they want something better. They don't want to, just because I, I bought this truck, it cost me 50 Gs, and why is it not look the way I expect it to. So we're trying to cancel that discussion and re- reset the expectation. And I would say now, uh, in some ways, we've been benchmark. I can tell our competitors are trying to raise their game, which is, a comp- again, it's, it's good to see for the whole industry yeah. when you can start that conversation. And, and to keep it moving forward, yeah. you know, like the 24 Wrangler that you yes. showed today, yes, yes, you know, yes. that, that new interior is, is such a, a step forward. Thank you. Um, and then you know, the last thing I want to touch on is as, as, you make the, as we get vehicles being more and more software defined, yeah. you know, there's a lot of information that can be presented to drivers. Yeah. And, you know, Within the design team, yep. you know, I assume, I assume you know, mostly the design team that is or, or is heavily involved in creating that user experience there, presenting the right information to to the driver at the right time so they're not overwhelmed. Uh, are you finding yourself working more and more with the software teams, with the AI teams? To That's an amazing question, and, and yes. Uh, so in the last two years... Uh, we've set up a software, a dedicated software team that, that's, that has its design? only... No, no. We already had one. So we oh. started with a... Oh, shit. Five years ago, maybe almost ten years ago, we started a very small UX team. Today, we've coupled with our European teams, our South American teams, our Italian teams, our German teams, North American teams. And now we have a super... Uh, it's about 80 of us that do uh, UX design. But it's parallel to that, the software team, there's a brand new software team started about a year and a half ago, thanks to Carlos. Um, they're trying to get 3,000 software engineers so that we can control our own destiny. You know, we used to be, let's say, supplier-oriented with Harman and other suppliers. Great, great stuff we did together, but now we want to really be much more agile and be able to write code, which we are already doing, right? Our own software, our own code, our own apps, uh, respond to the market, and we're able to study uh, currently how our, our consumers are using uh, the vehicle. You know, what, what options are they using more often? What apps are they opening or not opening? And then we're starting to ca- actually cancel stuff. We're sh- not doing a lot of things that we used to do because people don't seem to care. And adding more relevant uh, functionality. As the cars are becoming more connected, now we have to design the interface at home. We have to design the interface uh, wherever they may be, at the dealership, at the point of purchase. So all that has to be integrated, and we have a team working on that right now. So talk about a tech company. It's feeling very much like that. One last note on yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, last week, GM announced, yeah. Yeah. One last, uh, GM announced they're just... They're, Removing smartphone projection support yeah. from their EVs, at least. Um, is that something you see as potentially being a part of? Um, we're studying that. We're consistent. All of us are looking at that. that but that's a pretty bold decision on their in their case. We have a different business model that we are developing, where we we have partnerships already with Amazon that been yeah. publicized, and many other uh, uh, tier one. I would not call them tier three because yeah. they're also OEMs in their own way, right? So we're we're joining forces with them. We're not trying to displace them. But what GM is doing is a little different because they're trying to super integrate their nav into their other functionalities and their edge computers are all trying to talk to the customer through the navigation so they don't want Apple there as a filter. I get what they're doing. Uh, Our approach is very different um, and you'll find out soon. Okay, great. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ralph. All the best. Have a great day. You got it. Thanks, Diana. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.